Second edition About, of yeah. the Beatles. Upon request, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Much, much desired and much uh, discussed. I guess, like anything, most podcast people just listen to randomly whatever they want. But if you have been following two people, I'm, we know of. Yeah, for so we sure. appreciate the, that uh, to the folks who have commented. Uh, where is episode twenty? They yeah. said they were going to talk about the Beatles. Here we go. We're back. We're back. Uh, it is a new year, 2017. We haven't done a podcast since the old... Was it November, October? Something like that. Yeah, right yeah, around there. Everyone we, understands. Life happens, yeah. holidays. Uh, yeah, Charlie and I aren't exactly next next door neighbors, so it took a little while yeah, we to have, uh, get back together here. But we're back. We're back. Uh, good to see you, Charlie. Yeah, you looking uh, like you did last week when I saw you? <laughs> we still see each other. Uh, so yeah, welcome everybody. Uh, take this opportunity to wish everybody a happy new year in February. And uh, please look at our check out our website www.thisismusicpodcast.com. There's yep. some extra shit on there. Uh, every episode, I give we give it its own. Uh, <clears throat> post some videos. We discuss a little bit. There's you know different little things on there. You know a little more, a little bang for your buck there. We uh, did do one extra thing on the website. Yes, we did a 2016 end of year review, oh, yeah, that's like right. everyone does. But yeah, yeah. we might. I mean, that's what we do. We talk about music, so why not do at least something, some kind of uh, content? We'll figure out if we can add a little more to that. But uh, so yeah, if you want to check that out, I don't know, it's 2016. No one listens to music after it's a year old, right? We're over <laughs> that shit. Yeah, no more. Uh, yeah, so you can check that out. Uh, and another thing I want to discuss is if you, uh, I know a couple people actually have hit us up or uh, about or I've seen discussed the Pink Floyd's The Wall uh, mm-hmm. episode was taken down by by the overlords over at SoundCloud. Episode um, one. Not uh, episode yes, two. Uh, part one. Uh, I think it was episode 16 or 15 oh, or yeah. something like that. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to listen to part one, um, just contact me on the uh, website page. It's the contact page. You'll see, I think it's called, the tab is uh, who or Charlie and George or Charlie and George. And you'll see a little contact there. Hit me up and I will send it to you in whatever format works best for you. Uh, Kind of devastating. It's a good episode. Uh, and it sucks. You don't want to listen. To, who would want to just be like, oh, I'll just do part two? I love part two. Yeah. yeah, part one sucks. Yeah, we got a lot of maybe the people that hated part one. Yeah. And they just big following it. of part two. They're like, <laughs> fuck part They're, they're like, I, I agree with these guys. They didn't even yeah. do a podcast yeah. on part one. No, no, I, I'm, standing, I'm standing firm. Part one sucks. Uh, but nonetheless, we are here. We're queer. Get used to it. Uh, talking about the Beatles. Queers and happy, folks. Queers and happy. We're, we're taking that word back. <laughs> we, uh, we're here to talk about Abbey Road, the Beatles' 11th studio album. Remember, we're working backwards here. We're being, yeah. we're being 
We're being hipsters. I don't know what we're doing. We're no, just just, being... it's, it's just a different way to go about different way to go about it. If you want to listen to the first edition of our Beatles uh, uh, extravaganza, listen to episode ten, which was Let It Be. They're gonna be um, on the tens. Well, they're on the tens, and uh, so this is the second to last album, Abbey Road. Yet, uh, you might have heard of it. Yet it is their last album. Last album. Uh, this is the one tricky. After this, it won't be tricky anymore. Yeah. But as if you listen to the Let It Be uh, podcast, that was officially the last released album, but it was recorded before Abbey Road. Simple enough. Everyone gets that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I, I, it, there's part of it. Uh, there, there's the whole timeline when you look at things, and and I, I know every time we're gonna do the Beatles. Uh, podcast. There's going to be a lot of us saying the same shit. First of us blowing them on every song. This is song. really good. Yeah. This song is good. Besides saying how great they are doing that that thing, but the whole timeline um, is just so condensed when you think about their whole career. Six years. Yeah. Yeah. George and I have been friends fucking seven years now. Longer than the Beatles. Longer than the Beatles. Even on their own. It's disgusting. <laughs> I hate. I just. I hate reminding myself of that. It's not. It, it, it's. It's definitely just. To it's me, adds to their their, yeah. their folklore. Yeah. Um, you throw that in when someone tells you that the Beatles are shit. You just add that little thing. And they're like, albums, oh, what, what band years. do you like? Yeah. Oh, when was the last time they did it? Yeah. And yeah. Then they shut up yeah. and they go they go away. Um, but uh, Let It Be ended in like, the I guess the album was or the recording of it was done in like March of 1969. They started recording officially this album in July. Mm-hmm. So that's, help me out, three, four months. Um, so obviously they had these. Th- a lot of the songs were during the Let It Be sessions too. Yep. Not all of them. Get and, back. And not Let some it of be. yeah. Not yeah. some of the the really great songs that did come out there. Those were hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy. Like something was in that, and it wasn't deemed. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into something. But so so, you're still in this kind of fog of Let It Be. It's not like they all went away for a year and said let's make an album. It was just a couple months later. Yeah. And they. They were frustrated that they know that their kind of get back, let it be, stripped back to basics. And some of it they realized they just weren't as good of a live band because they hadn't been playing live. They, yeah. like, lost that mojo. They went back to George Martin. Um, and, again, it's not going back to George Martin two years later and be like, look, we're, we're struggling here. They're just like, let's... Uh, a couple let's, months. Yeah, let's, let's go back. You're going to produce. Yeah. You're going to have full... And he said, let me, but don't have John... Tell me to let, let's do what we usually do. Let's yeah, make I, a full blown. I think here it was Ringo when, when they did take a little break, whatever. Ringo was like, "Hey, uh, you know, he phoned up uh, George." George Martin. is about to do a Ringo impression. Let's do it. I was about to, and now he's like, "Hey, George." Uh, no, that's a little bit of a pull. Hey, George, uh, we ready to record a new album? And then George goes, "Oh, uh, is uh, even John on board?" So yes, even John's on board. And that was all it took, because like George Martin was like, "Okay, John's down too." Okay, yeah. all right. Well, George I'm, and Ringo I'm sound welcome. exactly the same. It must have been they're weird. all exactly the same. They're from Liverpool. <laughs> I don't know which accent. Really well, but do. George Martin, I'm talking about George Martin. Yeah, me too. He's he's very uptight and no that's not it he's a little more he's a little bit more not British man this accent's not going anywhere thanks for the update Ringo pat pat on the head get away now peace man that's uh, all I want so yeah they, they came back to uh, George and they 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 didn't want to go out they want to go out the Beatles yeah they've been they've been killing it and they and it wasn't 
It's also not this thing that they knew from all the interviews I've been reading. It's not that maybe John Lennon kind of had a feeling and Paul McCartney knew that something was about to end or maybe a, a long break. Yeah. But there wasn't this... Uh, this, is, this is our final hurrah. This is, yeah. Final, I mean, yeah. There, were, there was like bits of it that people felt it, but there wasn't that like, guys, this is it and then we're done forever. So yeah, yeah it was kind of... People knew something was ending. Um, but even George Harrison said, I didn't think this was going to be the end of the breakup, but... I was happy that it did end. It, it, things were getting miserable. If you listen to the Let It Be podcast or just kind of followed that, that that was not a happy session. This actually was. Um, they got along. Oh, like much better. Like whatever uh, turmoil that'll happen needed to get out of their system after with Let It Be. Mm-hmm. This was before that. This was the. Good, this is still the good times. Uh, as far as far as everybody getting along and and, and all that. Um, well, that- and and I think that it really shows in the difference between Let It Be uh, and the kind of amalgamation of songs that Let It Be was. And well, Abbey Road's definitely an amalgamation of a bunch of different shit. Yeah. But the cohesiveness of Abbey Road is is I mean is is far far greater than than Let It Be. Well, and, and it just sounds it, it's it's a few different songs that they just kind of mash together. Yeah. But to me, Abbey Road's almost like a concept album because you have the the medleys in there, and you have yeah. it's an album album. Yeah, you know? it's not an album of singles. It's a, to me, it's a, it's an album. Yeah, and and the weird thing with Abbey Road is it's the first half is just like these solid big songs, some orchestrated, just beautiful vowels, and then there's the the long medley. And there's there's the short medley, the last four songs in the long medley, which is pretty much side two. Um, and you got John Lennon saying, we just, we didn't have the songs. Like, we had those first half of the album was full songs, and then we had nothing. Yeah. So he, he's almost being like, we just, we turned nothing into something. Paul did. Yeah. I, I didn't, he didn't want to do it. He didn't really like that. And, you know, we always got John being the, uh, the yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's not unlike us who just think everything they did was great. You got the guy in the band be like, nah. This is their this is their thing. And, but, uh, but I feel like with Abbey Road, there was a lot more of like, yeah, no, that was a lot. That was good. Yeah. Versus he, uh, they, uh, the John and Paul both are very, very critical about their stuff. Yeah. Throughout their career. It was, I feel like with Abbey Road, it was definitely like, all right, cool. Like, we're happy for the most part yeah. with everything that was recorded, the sessions, uh, the overdubbing, everything. They, yeah. for the most part, seemed like everybody was on the same track. Before and, and after the process. Well, they made like a, they they made a situation that they were being a, maybe a little lazy on work. They could have worked on the, that last medley to make those fuller songs, uh-huh. and they found a way to get around that. Let's make it a medley quote. Yeah. There's really no. It's not like the wall. There's not a story there, mm-hmm. but there's a flow, it's, and you can't oh, deny the, the flow. The flow of songs. That's all that really is. And, and that's why, like the, an album like this, all the all the songs stand out alone by themselves. Yeah. But when you listen to me, I'll put the, the backside of Abbey Road up against any piece of music ever. Yeah. Um, you listen to that back, the backside, uh, and not to not to to uh, besmirch the, the A side, but B side. You just let that go through, and it's yeah. You could shuffle the A side if you want. You can't shuffle side two. It would yeah. just be awkward. Yeah, it's because most of the songs are one minute long. And they just that end. Into, and yeah, they end the properly. End of, uh, you know, once she's so he- she's so heavy. Yeah, just kind of mean that. We'll, we'll talk about that when it gets there. But the end of 
the do 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 the little prog rock jam at the end. It yeah. just abruptly abruptly stops and then it goes into Here Comes the Sun. Yeah. Um, and then everything else from there kind of just medleys out. Blends, dissolves yeah. into each other. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so their 11th studio album, it's uh, originally was going with the title Everest. Now, uh, Everest was a cigarette that was being smoked by their engineer at the time. Mm-hmm. There's that, but it is also like Mount Everest, we're Everest. like we're, we're Everest yeah. of the music yeah. world, and we're gonna, this is our crowning. Tongue in cheek, very, be- very Beatlesque where they're. They, just, no one said that. Yeah. They always just said it was a cigarettes, but yeah. of course they're not gonna say we're the greatest band ever. Yeah, of course. And, and that was kind of the placeholder of the record. They're, they 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 like they we're, we're not all what the fuck we're gonna call this thing. Let's just the placeholder was Everest, uh, and it went on for a while. And then one yeah. day one day Paul was just like fuck it, let's just call it Abbey Road. Like this is this is where we're recording, where we're recording it. it. Yeah, and he said he liked the way it sounded. Sound like, like, like a monastery. monastery. Yeah. Like it was a little more regal than just Abbey Road. It is. And and it, that yeah. word Abbey just yeah. is so British and totally. And uh, and so then it's Abbey Road, Abbey Road as we know. And uh, also there another reason they changed it. There, this this is uh, I guess you know you you got the the pre drug and then the post drug Beatles we all know that story, um, but Lennon was in a, a heroin phase at this time so that's that's part of and Ringo says this too and even um, I don't know if strung out is the word for Paul McCartney but he was just he was kind of in a daze too so they were being when I'm kind of going back to them being lazy not finishing up these songs. Um, drugs don't help. Drugs didn't help, and 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 they'll they'll get into that with carry the weight and just kind of the there was a heavy burden on them trying to run a business. They had Apple business starting up. And a lot of the songs kind of allude to that. Yeah. And and it there's there's this thing where you see it with Kanye. You see it with a lot of people nowadays. Is you do music so well, and you're just killing it that you probably think you can do everything well. And I'm not saying that no one should not try to I'm do... on top of the world. Do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. But most likely, you know, you worked your ass off on that one field, then all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm going to do fashion and business. Yeah. I'm going to be great at everything. Yeah. yeah. When you have... When you're competing against other people who are also the top of their... Their top thing is running a liquid record label, yeah. or their their focus is the fashion industry, whatever it is. And you're on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> well, that that definitely uh, helps. So you're not paying attention. That definitely helps with the inflation of the ego there, and uh, just, and I just can do anything. And there's no day to day focus on everything. Yeah. You're just like, what's going on? Uh, do we, so we got bands, and uh, they're they're losing money. Yeah, Things are falling out. Big time. Um, and I don't want to get too much into like the. Because they actually talk about it in, in the song coming up, so I won't get into the the money situation. But that that's kind of what's going on in their world right now. There, George Harrison didn't seem like he gave a shit about all that part of it. He didn't. He just wanted to make music. Very simple dude of the, the band, the spiritual guy. Kind of just turned off by that whole business side of it. He didn't want to go to a conference room and. What do you think the next quarter is? Yeah, 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 not not at all interested. But. They're, the the one everlasting thing they had going was the love for each other and making music. So when they got together, uh, they came out with, I might say, my favorite album by theirs. Yeah. It, it switches, say. but yeah. What, what, which ones do you switch between? When I just want to like, just like dive into like the world of Beatles and just and spoil myself, I say the White Album because then I can listen to 28 yeah, songs. Yeah. If I just want to hear like a tight boom fucking mm-hmm. album, it's this one. Yeah. So those two, and then uh, um, 
revolvers pretty yeah. much. Same, same here. Uh, and yeah, Abbey Road for me was, I mean, I'm not unique in, in, in saying this, but... You're going out on a limb here. Grew, grew up listening to Abbey Road. Wow. And just wow. it monumental in my uh, music listening abilities, or my music... Uh, That's why you stand list, out. Listening That's why you stand know, out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you like Abbey Road. <laughs> Fucking big surprise. Deep cut, dude. Deep cut. Uh, actually, a funny little story about Abbey Road was uh, my grandpa, who is uh, Yugoslavian, a Jew. Serbian, not Jewish, no. and uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but not Jewish. Uh, he was born in Yugoslavia, whatever, so I'm first generation uh, immigrants, all that shit. And when I was a kid, he had a record collection. And it was mostly Serbian records, and he had Abbey Road. Boom! He had Abbey Road, and what I didn't know at the time was that our speakers were fucked up. The or his speaker system was fucked up, and I would listen. I, I would like listen to his records with my grandpa laying down on the on the uh, you know carpet in front of the record station, just listen to music. And it, what I didn't know was that that, that because doing speakers, that is gone. Doing yeah. that. Act is yeah, gone. Like go go over to the record, lay down in yeah. a carpet and listen mm-hmm. to music, mm. and just yeah. just opium out, whatever. You yeah. Know? Uh, and what I the stereo was playing only half of the track because a lot of this this in Abbey Road was recorded in, in stereo, so I was literally hearing half of the record for maybe three four years you know I, this was in the 90s so i didn't have my own thing and it wasn't until four or five years later where i actually heard the full album in whole and it was like i already loved the album with literally half of the, the sounds was it and mi- then it was, was kind it of the strings and shit that were missing no it, like a lot of the, it was like the drums or uh so yeah maybe the strings i don't remember exactly what part but it was definitely the guitars maybe yeah you know if they were if uh they were layering, layering guitars, two different, three, maybe you would play one guitar or whatever. However, it was splitting. It was I was not hearing the full thing. Right. Uh, and that just shows the power of the Beatles, where I was literally listening to half of what they intended for me to listen to, and I was still like, this is my favorite. This is my favorite thing of all time. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we don't have those problems anymore. Yeah, and, and going on the recording of that, uh, and I, I think we'll just keep reminding everyone of this uh, fact, too, is this is the only album, and their final one, that was recorded on eight track. Eight track. Crazy, yeah. actually, and and it, I, I never understand this again. And I believe I'm gonna keep saying that we probably talked about it, but they were the Beatles, right? The biggest band ever, and then at that time, mm-hmm. but they could only get eight track. But over in America, you get Zeppelin. Well, I'm sorry, Zeppelin's over in England, but um, they were recorded over in the U.S. Um, doing sixteen track, yeah. doing the, just around. I mean, this is right that time. So yeah. everyone else, right when they quit recording went to the next level yeah yeah so it just missed the cusp of what they were able to do with what they had and 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 what the the one like overall if i have an overall complaint of beatles recordings but it's also makes it kind of cool is the drums have that 60 sound to them Mm -hmm. but they don't have the power and i think that's why a lot of people who don't who just like rock music the beatles don't rock because the drums aren't really yeah. rock drums yeah, he, that with, they became abbey, in the 70s with abbey road was that's the, the first time where they were like oh let's put two mics on ringo's yeah. drum kit yeah and at this time ringo and it's like kind of uh little little micro into beatles here is like uh for this record uh ringo star had just got like a new 
drum kit and you gotta move uh, heads for yep. all of his toms. Yep. But if you hear his drum. Yeah, his the toms sound so good on this. So album. much better. And the fact that they had two two uh, mics on there. Paul like was Paul's out. Uh, asked about when he was asked about the 8-track he says we never got past 8-track all of the Beatles work was on 2-track 4 or 8-track Sgt. Pepper was 4-track by Abbey Road we had gotten to 8-track and we thought and they and this is a quote we thought it was too many we thought it was we thought it was too big a luxury so they're like no this is what we're this is what we're accustomed to doing yeah <laughs> to I, doing. I record music for myself and it's like 25 yeah, tracks I know <laughs> and it's not good of what you can do and with it's logic. not even good uh, well I, I think that's the that's kind of the trade-off when you have yeah, when you have too much. such a broad spectrum of palettes of uh, paints you can you can in your palette you, you you kind of get lost in the in the variety You're instead of focusing. being like I have four tracks to make something good instead of I have literally what well, however long the memory on my computer will last yeah uh, of tracks so so the only eight track album only or eight track the only Beatles recording. eight track full eight track album. and and you hear that just. And a lot of people say this is their favorite produced album by the Beatles, and it, it, or just uh, critic-wise, it's the best sounding. And I think it's because of that. The drums are stereo for the first time, um, and you know, given Ringo Starr credit for he's not he's not uh, Bonham and he's not Neil Peart. He never wanted to be. Doesn't give a shit. He always wants to make the song. He's he's never about being flashy. None of them really are. You don't hear these twenty-minute solos. You never hear like someone over singing like the There's no scales There's up no and down. It's always just Beatles. tight songs. Yeah. yeah, it's always just a great song. Um, but he did. He just changed his style from. If you listen to the other records, there's a he did something different on here. More Tom oh, yeah. playing. I, I I think this is Ringo's strongest. Uh, Me too. Overall strongest. Just you were like fuck yeah, Ringo mother like Ringo star here in for all the shit game. he gets. Yeah. For all the shit he gets, like just listen to Abbey Road. Yeah. Listen to what he's doing on the toms. Everything, just the everything, every little transition between. He's not. He rarely ever does just. You know what I mean? The usual fill. Yeah, his fills are are incredibly understated, and yeah, anybody who's gonna talk shit about Ringo is just like, okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I mean, it's it's cliche. It's like talking about Nickelback or whatever. Um. So, 8-track recording, um, it was going to call it Everest, they changed it to Abbey Road. Uh, it, it, I say that now, thank God, mate, but if it was called Everest, I'd be like, dude, that was such a good yeah. name, because it's like the pe- pinnacle, and they fucking did it. So <laughs> Another uh, it, a little in the vein there, go ahead. Well, in another universe, since uh, there's that theory that there's just uh, infinity amounts of us, so there's me doing a podcast somewhere now where it was called Everest, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm saying how cool it was, so I can't wait to hear that one someday. That'll be a good one. Uh, multiverse. Look yeah, out for that, guys. Yeah, yeah, Look yeah. out for the one where, in the alternate universe. Where That's, uh, that'll be episode uh, A532 in that universe. Uh, dude, they probably have different uh, languages, too. Oh, yeah. Totally. Let's get into that. Give me, give me that pot. Uh, Another thing uh, in in the same vein of the, the equipment and all that stuff, the, the Beatles got to use the Moog synthesizer uh, um, that's, in, in Abbey Road. The drums in the Moog. Yeah, drums what? in the Moog. Yeah. And it's funny, like a, a Moog is just, for those of you who don't know, it's a synthesizer, and now what Moogs are just a keyboard, MIDI keyboard like anything else, and everything's in there, but at the time... Um, this is just like, like, like a computer, deal. those pictures of computers, uh, IBM computers, the first one where they, they took up an entire room. Yeah. The Moog synthesizer was in, in essentially like that, too. It was like two keyboards, right? Yeah, and they two ha- keyboards, and there's plugs, and, and everything's going in. Like if you see, if you like, uh, 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 
and a Nine Inch Nails kind of does has the like the it's like the switchboards for the the, the old phone operators. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Switch, uh, switch on what about Bob when he when he's going to when he's stalking uh, his doctor and he breaks into the uh, he breaks into the uh, the the phone ladies whatever they're called the. Uh, switch operators. Switch operators. Yeah, it's switch kind of that operators. thing. He goes in and yeah, you, everyone's seen those type of movies yeah. where there was just ladies that would connect one thing. It's kind of like that. Oh, uh, exactly. Yeah, pretty much exactly, exactly like that. I know uh, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead likes to use that for like yeah, watch and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and it was this was George Harrison's baby. He's the guy who was like, yeah, I'm gonna bring in the mood, which I'm sure he got from. Well, he was reco- he was producing an album in, in L.A. Yeah. and he saw one. Yeah, uh, and he said about that. He said, I I first heard about the mood synthesizer in America. I have this is George talking. Uh, I had. Well, you are George. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> just thinking. You're George. Uh, George quoting George here. Harrison. Uh, I heard, first heard about the mood synthesizer in America. I had yet to have mine made specially because Mr. Moog had only just invented it. It was enormous with hundreds of jack plugs and two keyboards. But it was the it was one thing having one. It was another thing trying to make it work. It wasn't an instruction manual, and if there had been, it probably would have been a thousand pages long. I don't think even Mr. M- Mr. Moog knew how to get music out of it. It was more of a technical thing. When you listen to sa- to sounds on songs like Here Comes the Sun, it does some good things, but they're really kind of infant sounds. And you hear it, the mood's not going crazy. No. They, like, for all the work that it sounds like a, a mood synthesizer was, yeah. it seemed like, it, like eh, maybe you could have done that. But you think in 1969, where you're still working with, with Leslie organs, uh, pianos, guitars, whatever's, even pedals, even the Beatles with... The, some of their effects and their arpeggiators and all that stuff right. it's everything's in its infancy yeah. and all this sound to get a new sound like a Moog like that was a Moog was, is and was a really revolutionary instrument for sure where it just and, and I'm, I'm talking like a Moog is uh, you know like a uh, uh, household household word it's a synthesizer but it's a it, it can alter into any type of sound pretty much yeah yeah any any sound on the spectrum. It doesn't really sound like keyboards or anything like yeah. that, or like a piano or, or organ or a guitar. Yeah. It's got it's its own. It's what we know now it's as like an electronic keyboard. We take warbly it keyboard yeah. sound. Yeah, I mean it's and, what most like electronic. It's and, a terrible impression of a movie. And he does say it sounds infant, and I kind of agree. But I also, you know, there was that the digital kind of music uh, keyboards that came out in the 80s yeah. like that sounds uh, there, there are songs that sound amazing on it but it does sound dated the way they were recording drums they took a chance by doing this because this could have made this album sound dated if they didn't really get that texture of yeah. that sound down it could have just been cheesy well, it's like the Casio keyboards of the 80s yeah. where all these instruments were just no soul just to it. came out and they didn't know how to use it it was more like they hadn't gone over they obviously just been invented so they hadn't gone over the, the novelty right. of a, a digital keyboard making sounds yeah any kind of sounds uh, and that's why it sounds dated when you hear like I mean even like what's that like call on me that's what oh, I always yeah, think yeah. like or not call on me and great song, but yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's got that, that sound, it's so dated. They somehow didn't they didn't get to taste, that level. Just like everything else the Beatles do, they do it tastefully. Yeah. Just enough. They didn't oh, like they could have just made a Moog album and it would have been like yeah. they just knew how to sprinkle it in there like the top of a new recipe. You know, just a little little, little extra salt. Yeah, a little Moog. Uh, another thing that the Beatles used uh, on this one was a white noise machine. 
from the so, Moog. From the Moog, yeah. yeah. So it was just like they they were definitely experimenting with some shit here. So yeah. always experimenting, always trying to push things forward. Yep. Um, and that's the other great thing about this album is it's it is kind of like an amalgamation of all their other albums, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not uh, get back. It's not let it be it's still pushing forward sounds with the moog i could think is the, the main thing yeah. and then even yeah. even doing this voice recording they didn't really do anything like this like here and there um, and again listen for the moog you'll you'll you'll, you'll oh we'll tell you you have to kind of listen for it uh, yeah it, it, like how we said it was understated um it really is and, and, and yeah it's creeping well. in the back yeah you, know, you hear it for like here comes the sun if you hang out with me or george um i'll I'll sing it with my hands yeah. during it, and, you'll feel and I'll it. be like, "Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah." So Everest, yeah, Everest, not Everest, Abbey Road, uh, and it, it, not only one of the most uh, iconic records of all time, one of the most Cover. iconic record uh, covers yeah. of all time. Yep, the uh, four lads walking across, ab- walking away from Abbey Road Studios. There was about four or five different pictures taken. Uh, some were towards Abbey Road. The the one I, the one that they chose, obviously. Now we're gonna say how great it was. But I've seen the other pictures. This is this it. This is the right one. This is it. Oh, absolutely. Like the other, yeah. And you can tell. Basically, the photographer wasn't standing on the tall ladder in the middle. Cops were holding traffic, and then the guys just walked away. And in the direction that they're walking now, that it was another like little thing was. That's how they would walk away from the studio when they would go home for the day. You know, yeah. They would go to the cars or bus or train or whatever they were taking. Uh, but then you can also go down conspiracy theory. Conspiracy lane. And let's do it. Yeah. You got uh, you got John Lennon in the white. He's the priest. Mm-hmm. And then you got Ringo right behind him in the black. He's the undertaker. Mm-hmm. And you got Paul McCartney uh, barefoot. With his eyes closed. His eyes closed. Cigarette in his hand. He's dead, folks. He's dead. This is this isn't Paul, Paul McCartney's left-handed. He's holding a cigarette in his right hand, which is so dumb because when I do smoke, when we're drunk, uh, I smoke with my right hand. I smoke left-handed. Yeah, so that's yeah, dumb. That's a theory. He's left-handed. You should always. I usually if, when I smoke cigarettes, it's with my left hand. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> yeah. That's stretch. where we get it. We that's get it. that's where you start poking holes in the conspiracies. Yeah. And yeah. then you got uh, Georgie in the back, who's gonna be uh, the the grave digger. Mm-hmm. So they're all dressed it's kinda that cool. way. Yeah, it's great. And obviously everything else adds to the folklore. And then there's uh there's the um, the car in the background has a license plate of twenty eight if. Yeah. He would have been uh, Paul McCartney would have been so they're saying he would have been twenty eight if he died during this album. Actually twenty seven. And then here again, if I had a gun, I would shoot myself. Twenty seven folks. <laughs> he was twenty seven when they were done. Do you understand what I'm fucking telling you? Stupid. Uh, and that car apparently sold uh, that Volkswagen that's uh, to the left there behind George. Uh, it just with every like everything else with the Beatles, yeah. that car was like this is the car from Abbey Road. Yep. Sold for whatever sixty thousand dollars. It's yep. in a uh, a museum and a car museum in Germany, so that's pretty cool. And it's been replicated. And, and, and there's a guy in the back. Um, I, I don't have his name written down. Who gives a shit? But like you. Whatever he did in his life, you know, great dad, whatever his career was, just all he did was take a walk one day, yeah. 
And you're like, huh? Right place, right Boom, time. Boom, picture. And that's, he's known for. His legacy. Yeah, that's it. His legacy is, is yeah. being in the picture. And he didn't group. know, obviously. He didn't know yeah, it was him until someone down. pointed it out yeah. eight years or nine years later after yeah. the fact. And, and the thing that pisses me off more than anything is I love the, the picture. And then you, I don't know, I, I haven't done any history, but now they got the fucking, the zigzag of the Z cross lines in Britain. It looks like shit. All yeah. their streets look terrible. Yeah. Keep it all nice and Americanized. Linear, linear like this. The zebra stripes. Uh, maybe it helps with cars not getting too close. Maybe they drive on the wrong side of the road over there. But, <laughs> but it looks terrible. Like, they should have kept it like this. Because I, I, now you see pictures nowadays, it's... I don't know. I don't like that zigzag thing. I'm sure just like anything, you get used to it. I'm sure there's a safety precaution. Um, but after that, it, it was originally called EMI Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Beatles make an album called Abbey Road that became... Abbey Road. Yeah, gigantic. So they they changed the name. Um, you can go to a webcam, and there's people right now taking pictures, doing the same fucking walk. George and I did the stupid walk out and. Uh, oh, that was a great picture. Out, out, and, uh, <laughs> me, you, Kylie, and I forget who the fourth person was. Uh, but we took yeah in Yosemite. It was a great picture. Yeah, uh, long straight road in, uh, at the Sequoias. In, Sequoia, in, in, where the big redwoods are. Big redwoods are. Uh, it's a picture of us. It's a long road going down. It's pretty great. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, post that. Chili Peppers did it. Uh, I think Booker, Kanye did something. Kanye did Booker T. They don't. Well, they did the whole Abbey Road EP. Yeah, um, and well, and covers. then and then Paul McCartney did a live album. It's such a stupid. He's got like a dog like pulling him, and he's yeah. like leaning back. Yeah. So he did it again. Yeah, and, and that's when it has the zigzag line, yes. lines. It, and yeah. it just it pissed me off when I was young. It was just like, how dare they change that road? <laughs> I know. Don't touch that road. Yeah. Uh, it's iconic in, in so many ways, uh, and no, it doesn't say doesn't say their name on it. Doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. It's just it's the four fuckers. Uh, but more than like the whole conspiracy thing picture, it's just a pimp picture. Yeah, just looks great. Uh, dope white suit by London, I gotta say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, they all look great. Good job, guys. Being queer. And that's the album, folks. Abbey Road. Yeah. Good night. Thanks. It's just the end was there. That's, That's perfect that timing. Good. I think, uh, I mean, anything else? Oh, another weird thing uh, during this time. Uh, so John and Yoko were together at this point, and John, his, uh, his deep love and all that stuff for, for Yoko was in full in full swing. And uh, they'd both gotten in a car accident in, in months uh, before this, and Yoko got pretty fucked up. And when they were recording... Yoko was in the studio with them. They actually had a bed in the studio and gave her a mic so that she can have, uh, you know, per se, per yeah. little her, her opinions on things. Little tidbits in there. So that's another little fun fact. John, no, I don't like it. I don't like it, John. No. John. No. Ching chong, ching chong. Bing bang. That's Beatles. that's actually a quote. Yeah, uh, from the I, documentary. Yeah, it's on Wikipedia. Um, Wikipedia. Hey, whoever just did that racist thing, get out of here. That guy just left. Yeah. yeah. Don't ever come back here. Piece okay. of shit. So, uh, we can probably get into the into the album now. Well, in, in, on that accident, um, Lennon missed the first week of sessions. Yeah. So, there's actually a couple songs he, he's actually on, but he it was more for the overdubs. He wasn't there for like mm-hmm. the yeah. the initial humbrumbra. That's not a word. Couldn't think of anything. Humbrumbra. So, yeah, let's get into it. Um, you you want to come together? And that's the sound of a joke that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, uh, boy.
Song number one, come together. Uh, one in song, let's do it. You just laugh, man. You know, obviously, us being younger gentlemen, um, I never didn't hear this song the first time putting on the album. This was on radio, so I knew it very well. But I can imagine, you know, you throw this thing on for the first time, and then you're like, "What is going on here?" It's 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 kind of the the heart of psychedelia at the time. Yeah, and it's very a quote from them, swampy. Yeah. Well, that's the. It's there was, dirty. Yeah, when they were. This was a Lennon song, and uh, when they actually were, were trying to work it out, put it on the record, it was kind of slower, it was kind of faster. They did different. It didn't sound like. They were this. going with the more sped up version. Yeah, they were going. Exactly. And uh, I think it was uh, Paul's idea to just kind of swamp it down. He said swampy was the word they used. Uh, and uh, John Lennon said it was a funky record. It's one of my favorite Beatle tracks. Or uh, one of my favorite Lennon tracks, let's say that. It's funky, it's bluesy, and I sing it pretty well. I like the sound of the record. You can dance to it. I'd buy it. Uh, that's John Lennon talking about Like that. in one of his songs. Yeah. That's, that's nice to see. It's nice to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he had wrote this as a... Political rally? A, Cry? A campaign song for Timothy Leary, the LSD guy. LSD guru? Yeah, who was running... Uh, also Harvard-educated yeah, teacher, so yeah, he's not a fucking not dummy. Just a burnout, yeah. Yeah, even though he was the guy who told everybody he'd be burnout. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He, uh... Was running, uh, uh, it's funny, against Ronald Reagan for the governor of California. He was uh, president in the 80s, folks. Yeah, Reagan. He was the he's Republican Jesus. Uh, yeah. I love him. But uh, yeah, so he was running against Ronnie. He lost. Did not win. Um, yeah, so it was initially, Come Together was a slogan by Timothy Leary. Yeah. So he gets the kind of credit for writing Come Together. Yeah. The rest of the song does like when I when I was younger, it, it it's that like the chorus sounds like come together people together. Yeah. It is that's what it is. But everything, everything else, else has nothing to. Uh, yeah, it makes me want to. Well, that's why it's he, not like let's get together and go march down Washington and get you know. It has nothing. He just goes into his Leninist 
I like I love it, but it's not co- coherent. Well, and, and, and this song was not. It, it was originally meant for Timothy Leary, and then it just kind of never developed into. It never became that. So then John well, really just made it his own. Yeah. Well, he got um, Timothy Leary got arrested for this is adorable nowadays. Well, I guess it still happens. Uh, arrested for pot. Uh, was in prison for pot. So his campaign. That, that's why he lost. He went to prison for doing smoking the devil's uh, plant cabbage. Um, and so he was a little, he wasn't butthurt about it, but he was just like, oh, you, you're not, you know, I gave you that come together line and now you just turned it into one of your songs. And yeah. Yeah. Was and it, he was not happy about it. He's like, I'm John Lennon, bitch. I'm in the Beatles. Uh, but the, the kind of the feel of the song, the flow of the song is very, you know, not, not exactly, but it's reminiscent of Chuck Berry. And he was a Chuck Berry, like thought Chuck Berry was God. Yeah. 1956 uh, song You Can't Catch Me now this is one of those things where Chuck Berry didn't give a shit um, he actually took here he come all flat top that's in the song that we'll, we'll, we'll actually play um, and you can listen for yourself but the lawyers uh, no Lennon said something in a in a interview, interview saying I, I kind of took this line and I, I'm going with that vibe yeah. the lawyers heard that and now that it's worth some money, yeah. Now that it's give a shit. now that it's the number one yeah. song in America, yeah. that's that's the thing too. This was the first. There were a couple singles before. We, I'm not even gonna get into it now, but this was a, a single with something. And this was the kind of the first time that they had a single that's actually on the album. If you've followed uh, the Beatles, all their singles aren't on the album, which is just crazy. That's just not what you do at all. You always try to pump. Now you just hope you have one good song that people want to get into even listen to your fucking album. Yeah. Um, but it was part of the whole business deal issues that they've had at the time. They had Alan Klein, a new manager, come in, and he was just like, let's push the album and let's just sell the album. Let's not worry about... Uh, Marketing and all that stuff? Yeah, doing yeah. all that, just pushing yeah. that. So this this was a, a, big, a big hit for them. So yeah, of course the lawyers are going to come after you. Um, with everything they got and the settlement was that he had to on some of his solo albums there's an album called rock and roll where he does some covers so he does some chuck berry covers um i guess that's 16 i guess that's how it works out yeah i think it was like whatever and then probably whatever money was made off of that yeah it goes goes and that's the problem like that's the estate so chuck berry's estate his lawyers who you know are, are on retainer so that chuck berry can make that money that's Right. It rightfully do that. Whether or not yeah. whether or not we agree that it should be that Lennon should have been had to suffer the well, consequences of it. You take a line from a song. I mean, I, that, I, I can, all I'm saying is I can see the argument. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily say it's justified, but I can see the point. Yeah. I can see the. It's all. It is. It is also greedy lawyers mm-hmm. getting involved. Yeah. Um, do you want to play Chuck Berry's song? Yeah. Before that, before I play it, uh, Lennon had a quote. Uh, Pretty, pretty soon before he died said come together is me riding obscurely around an old Chuck Berry thing I left the line in here comes old flat top it's nothing like the Chuck Berry song but it took me to court because I admitted the influence once years ago I could have changed it to here comes old iron face but the song remains independent of Chuck Berry or anybody else on it so um, later on he definitely was like yeah it's fucking stupid yeah uh, but yeah we'll play a little bit of Chuck uh, just for you a second catch me Cadence of the little 
vocals. Hide away. Definitely sped up. Pushing on the button and you will get a thing. Now you can't get me. Baby, you can't get me. It's just the line. It's not like they're talking about you know, a, yeah, a chord progression or anything. Yeah, no, nothing. It's just it's his cadence and the voice, and then using that line. Yeah, a lot of songs do that. He can do that. Yeah. It's kind of what you do on this song. Yeah. It's called singing a song and riding on the groove. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. So he, uh, he and another thing about this uh, song is it's like we were, we were talking about uh, Ringo's, Ringo's drums earlier. Yeah. And just like already, I mean, well, let's I, just do, I, play iconic, the intro. Yeah. That, that dr- little drum roll he does. And then the little. Sorry about that. And then there's so much that you got the hand clap with the delay. Yeah. If that didn't have the delay, it wouldn't have that with his voice going shoot. Little slap back. He's also saying shoot me, um, but the me gets gets uh, frequenced out with the uh, bass and the drums and the clapping. So you just hear shoot, but that's got an echo. So it's just this creepy sound. Um, and you hear it like it, it sounds like well, what like the drum heads were made out of leather. Yeah. Here it sounds like it's slapping leather. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it does. And then you got the Paul McCartney bass line. There's something about it's almost like uh, uh, what's his name? I'm having a brain fart right now. Lou Reed's uh, "Walk on the Wild Side." Just those slidey, simple bass lines, but just iconic, you know. Um, and then you know, just very simple drums here, just keeping the boom, little heartbeat drum. And then yeah, Lennon's killing it with his vocals. Uh, it's just one of an iconic song. Kind of you know you, you can go into the, the. Some people want to go in the darker territory where he's saying "shoot me," and we all know that he did get shot. Kind of calling and and come together over me like a funeral. Come together around me. Yeah. Very. Definitely, shoot me was. In the heroin, heroin. yeah. Shit. Even though he didn't shoot heroin, he snorted he it. No. I mean, I'm sure he tried it, but his his way of doing it, he didn't like needles. Like me, that's one thing I have to thank. I, I'm glad I don't like needles. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, the BBC wouldn't play this song because that not line, because of drugs, yeah, but because of Coca-Cola. Coke. Yeah, <laughs> we live in such weird like we forget how like prudish and like. You weren't allowed to do any of that stuff. And now people complain, like, now we're allowed to do everything. That's why society's fucked up. It's like, well, it's a chance we take. Yeah. Can't say Coca-Cola. And I think that, obviously, him being a little smarty pants was yeah. saying cocaine. Of course. But yeah. Anybody he's like, with a brain. He's like, damn it. Yet. I was trying to say cocaine. Yeah. I said Coca-Cola, and that was even worse. Was even I should have just said cocaine. <laughs> he snorts cocaine. cocaine. Like, That's cool. That's good. Yeah, well, let Clapton take care of that. <laughs> Um, and, and the the one last part I really like of this song is the ending. Uh, it kind of goes in. It almost reminds me of um, Pink Floyd's. What, what's the third song on that? On the well, it's we don't have the the podcast anymore. But on the um, 
on the wall, the third song, right before it goes into We Don't Need No Education, it's got this like cool little happiest drifty, days of our happiest lives. days of our lives. It just goes into this little jam. It's kind of reminiscent of that. It's very like smooth. It's got little guitar like. It goes into. Yeah. Which is going to go into something. Yeah, so right here, it just drifts. And you even hear Lennon just being like, ah. And here, again, Ringo doing what he needs to do. Yeah. Yep. Just, just, yeah. riding the, just uh, riding the ride, riding the splashes, and, and then Tom's. And you can hear just like Lennon on it, just like, yeah. yeah. He's just saying, yeah. Groovy. And then he starts doing the, yeah. George throwing in those little flourishes. Beautiful. Very Pink Floydish. Yeah. Before Pink Floyd. Love this. The guitar work. The tones uh, on a few times in this album are just like beautiful. Another like one that's coming to my head right now is Octopus's Garden. Just, yeah, well, we'll get to that yeah. for sure. So, boom, the Beatles are back. Yeah, or they're going out. together. Uh, oh, and then yeah, just quickly, I, we didn't even go to the lyrics, but you know, here come all flat top, you come grooving up slowly, you got juju eyeballs. So you got three verses. No, you got four verses. Some people say it's the Beatles. He's talking about them themselves. You got four verses. You got four dudes. Because um, he does get into, on verse three, he bag production. He got walrus gumboot. I know he just likes using weird words, but bag production. He did some weird art installation with Yoko Ono where they just dressed up and ba- they just put bags with themselves. <laughs> so you got he, he got bag production. He got walrus gumboot. He was the walrus. Uh, and then the next line is he's got Ono sideboard. Ono, Yoko Ono, his on his side. He won Spinal Cracker. You know, he, he was getting skinny and uh, he got ridiculously thin. And it, obviously the, the drugs were doing that to him. Hold you in his armchair. You can feel his disease. That does kind of sound like he's talking about himself. And then the, everyone's, if, if you believe that, then you're like, well, these other ones must be about the other guys. So who's flat top? Who's grooving up slowly? Who has the juju eyeballs, his hair down to his knees? That might be George. Um, who's monkey finger shooting Coca-Cola? Um, maybe Ringo. I know Ringo was likes to snort the little Cokey Coke. Uh, and then the the last one is maybe about Paul. He's a roller coaster. And this is when they were starting to have their split. You got the one and one and one is three. He's saying, "I know you. You know, uh, one and one and one is three. You three over there versus me. That, this is all this does." Yeah, conspiracy That's things. The folklore but of the Beatles. Yeah, folklore, whatever it yeah. is. Got, uh, but yeah. got to be good looking because he's so hard to see. He's and the best looking another, one. Yeah, he would, and he'll call him out in, uh, and how do you sleep? Is like you know, good looks only la- last good only for, last a, for year. a year or two. Yeah. Um, which is a but great and also diss but song. but also just being like funny. Maybe he is writing about them, just being like, I just wrote some words, but this kind of represents you. Sure. But not not I'm not being like. All right, it's time to write about Ringo. Here we go. We just kind of <laughs> not waxing poetic about, no. about Ringo Starr. Yeah, I mean, before this, while it was still, uh, while it was still in in, in production for uh, Timothy Leary's thing, he had the whole. He had some different lyrics there. He was going. Uh, he was going. Uh, everyone's talking about John and Yoko. Timmy Leary, Rose, like he had, he was naming people. Uh, no, 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 Thomas, no, 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 huh? no, 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 no. That's uh, give peace a chance. 
Everybody talking about uh, Donnie uh, Yoko, Timothy see, I, Rosemary, Thomas Mothers, Bob Dylan, Tommy Broker, Derek Taylor, Noah Miller, Alan Ginsberg, Harry Krishna, Harry Harry Krishna. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. It's all good. I could fuck that up completely. All good. I like. I thought that was working. Like uh, Tommy Smothers and Bobby. Well, Dylan. again, you can do that with anything. You can <laughs> yeah, do that. Totally. But that. So give peace a chance. Alan Ginsberg. But Scott. but that, that's kind of good that you brought. Harry Krishna. But you forget how. Oh, this is just crazy to me. The the timelines again. Yeah. So, you, when you're thinking the bed in, uh, uh, give peace a chance. You're thinking, oh, this is they broke up and Lennon's. This is a couple of years later. No, yeah. that was before this. Mm-hmm. Is everyone? Are you listening? Or does that not like all that? this it's shit's like... happening all at the same time? The at the same time too. Things move too fast now. Um, six months after this. Uh, George Harrison has his triple album ready to go. So yeah. they, they're they in a flood, and, and George Harrison is... Not that the other guys are coming down, but George is now at his peak. Well, it's like the Quiet Beetle who has and, finally the volcano of, of the Quiet Beetle to, time to, for him to erupt. Well, this is why they were so dangerous, is if they kept going... Not only you didn't have the two... It's, it's, it's great to have the best songwriter of the 60s in your band. That's cool. Yeah, that'll help. And then the Beatles had two. But in 1969, they had three. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And so, yeah, so anyways, the sit-in uh, is that's where Timmy Fleury and him had kind of a connection. Because if you watch the bed-in, when they do the give piece a chance, Timmy Fleury is sitting on the ground clapping. They were probably on acid at that time. Um, yeah, so just to, I wasn't trying to, I just wanted to make sure George didn't get no, that. No, I appreciate sure. that. I, I mean, that. I could just, you know, you could read any line. The following day, Lennon offered to help Leary's campaign no, and slogan. No, 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 it doesn't work at all. The song was composed. Come for... together, Charlie. Come together. We're, right spl- now. we're splitting apart. We break up. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think Over we've, me. I think we've, um, we've pretty much bashed that song. Uh, Lennon is on electric piano. Um, and just that nice drift out, um, kind of Pink Floydish fade, and, and yeah, this this the, the first half of the album doesn't all connect together, but it that is a nice kind of it would be a, it would be weird if they ended that song like boom 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 and just a big mm-hmm. drum beat and then something comes in it yeah. just kind of fades out lets you kind of melt away which we'll go ahead and do that we'll play the end there yeah. of uh we'll play the it end sounds nice together of the nice little solo going out of come together going into something so they gave john the first song they handed it over to uh georgie georgia boy something. Something in the way she moves 
in songs because then I could just say no wait let's wait for the solo but then yeah. I'll be like wait this is another part <laughs> yeah. so we, we kept on wanting to uh, cut back but give you a little nice sample of that song since it's one of the best songs uh, ever written um, ever written something Harrison's finest hour uh, originally written on piano and don't take my word for it folks I'm just an asshole but John Lennon best he's ever written Best on the album. Yep. Paul McCartney, best he's ever written. Frank Sinatra, greatest love song ever written. Those guys, you might not like them, but they deserve a little uh, authority. In fact, that two of them were in the band. And yeah, um, I mean, Paul really, I mean, they both loved it. They they said this is uh, when he stepped up to our level. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, every. Uh, I mean, I wasn't obviously around during this time, but... And, and, and considering that he, George Harrison had uh, All Things Must Pass in his back pocket, it just shows... Not even in his back prowess. pocket, he was playing it for them, and they were like, no, we're good. Uh, but I mean, a triple album. He oh, was, yeah, ready to he, go. Yeah, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and just every version that they that I've heard of this, the Anthology 3 uh, version of this, is, is ra- more raw. Yeah. But, oh, man, it, you feel him singing this I, I obviously love this version but there's something extra special about that anthology 3 version uh, that I love and I mean and, Frank Sinatra calling this the best love song of all time this is coming from a guy who sings love songs all he did was write love songs <laughs> sing, yeah sing love songs sing love songs yeah, yeah. Uh, and love songs are tough to to keep that like special feeling going on without being like yeah right it's yeah. This one just, and I, I try not to, obviously I'll go through periods while I'll overkill Beatles, but I try to stay away for a while, so then when I do hear it, it's it's, a, it's special. Yeah. Um, and just quick before we get into the song, this song has a couple of good memories for me. There's one of me being 16, and I was obviously in high school, um, and we, about 10 of us in my class went to England, Wales, uh, and Scotland. We did a week trip. Um, and, you know, we were going to churches and everything, and all me, my friend Doug, Mike, and a couple of the girls, all we cared about was just that we could buy alcohol and, uh, and do that and just have a great time. But there's a memory of me being on the bus, um, and I was with a girl, my first love of all time, uh, of all time. Whatever. First love of all time, <laughs> <laughs> but high school crush, um, and I had this album, and you know we're going to England. Had it on my, I guess I had it on my little CD discman, um, 
and just like sitting in the bus we were driving through Wales so it's all these green hills and just beautiful and gave her one of the headphones and me one put this song on just kind of like listen to this especially when you're 16 nowadays it's like oh you put on something yeah. obviously but it's like that shit was <laughs> smooth shit you don't know that shit worked beautifully but just that moment of being in a, especially 16 I've never left anything I've never yeah. done anything and just to be sitting with a girl that, yeah, and just listen to this song, it was uh, a magical moment. And then it got revamped to another cool time with my new love and my new friends um, at Desert Trip when Paul McCartney played it. Yeah. And he, we've seen him before do it, but this was like a special moment because it was just, other times we've seen him, it wasn't the greatest like set situation, yeah. set up sound. And he just comes out with a ukulele. Yeah. He tells this little, awesome story about, uh, if, you know, it's about my friend, the song was written for my friend, dear friend George. Yeah. I, I, when we first started playing this song, like, I said, oh, George, it sounds pretty good on the ukulele. <laughs> and he goes, and then he plays with a ukulele. And at the time, there was something, I completely interrupted him. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, no. When, when we saw him, he, started, he starts playing it. He's like, oh, this is out of tune, isn't it? And then they bring him a new ukulele. He goes, oh, that's better. Does he do that every time? Or is it no, just that? Okay, just I was this, like, that would be, that that'd be weird. Well, it's fun. For me, I find it hilarious that they have multiple ukuleles. Right, <laughs> just ready time. to go. Yeah. It's Paul McCartney. Yeah, of course. Yeah, And then he plays. After every time I play, please burn that one and buy me a new one. Why, Paul? I don't know. I have a lot of money. Yeah, so he plays something in the way she moves. Yeah, so we're all, like, 90,000 people are all singing this. And it's not this full embellished strings yeah. he didn't do it cheesy he just was like i'm just gonna play the and and this is my favorite thing about great songs is you could play it on ukulele and it still translates yeah. to everyone and what's great is that everybody's doing the do 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 yeah we do the we do that and then we do the you're asking me if my love rules i don't know i don't know do 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 like that's not going on yeah. in the song and we're all adding that in and everyone's doing it it was great um but that's what makes this song great is every Instrument is, and I've said this before with them, is is melodic, and you can sing along to it. So, do 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 the bass right there. You can just sing along with, and then you get the drums. It's like everything's, yeah, everything's catchy and singing along. The and the one thing that really redeems this love song is this part right here. You're asking me if my love grows. I, I don't know. Stick around, and it may show, but I don't know. And that's. That's the heart of That's it. That's the vulnerability of it. Yeah, it's yeah. not the we're definitely because they weren't together forever. They split up eventually. This is a, it's not a song to Patty Boyd. She wrote that it was. He said it was more of a cosmic song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, I, he mentioned something about I mean, having. Uh, this song was, was almost not even released by the by George Harrison. It seemed like he was trying to give it away at all at, at any for you know a yeah. penny George Harrison was. was a very insecure guy and he yeah. didn't really he, he I don't know I've read I've read certain things where Jeff Emmerich one of the engineers said he came in with this cocky attitude and he knew that he had a good song but at the same Harrison. time yeah George yeah. Harrison he just came in being like this one's gonna blow people away but he also gave it he was trying to give it away he gave it away to uh, Joe Cocker who re- released it um, right before or right after luckily yeah. right after it but he was trying to give the song away. He didn't. He. I don't know why. I have no idea. We don't know why he didn't believe in it. It's unbelievable that he would give. Maybe he thought it was too sentimental or whatever. Um. But yeah, he he was trying to give the song away. He um, he must have just had a moment where he knew that this this was a legit song. Uh, and he got 
I don't know if you if you've ever tried to write songs like what what the catalyst is to to get you to like keep going with a song if you're trying to write lyrics. And it came from um, James Taylor's song. It's called Something in the Way. And they would, James Taylor was the first artist to be signed to Apple Records. So that song came out. So he, he threw that line in there kind of for filler and just said, fuck it. Like, it, it made him flow out the rest of the song. And then he's like, maybe I should change that first line. Why? Yeah, he it's, said, it's, George said about that. He said, I can never think of the words for it. And it also... Uh, and also because there was a James Taylor co- song called uh, Something in the Way She Moves, which is the first line of that. And so when I was trying to think of changing the words, there was, but they were the words that came when I first wrote it. So in the end, I just left it and called it something. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there was... Well, there you go again with, like, James Taylor should have sued him. Yeah. Then, you know, like, yeah. we go to this... No, you don't... It's just a line. Yeah. It's just one line. Something and in the way she moves. fan of it, I'm sure. And he... And the Beatles signed you yeah, to their record yes. label to make your career, so I yes. guess you wouldn't do that, because then you'd be suing yourself. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the most, I think it's the second most covered song besides uh, "Yesterday." Um, of all time, or the Beatles? Of, um, by the Beatles, I don't know if they have an all time, but I mean, if it's the Beatles, it's probably all time. Sure, it's up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone playing great. They got a whole bunch of. Uh, they get uh, 12 violins, 4 violas, 4 cellos, um, and then even the, his, his, he's always been a great guitarist, but his solo on this is unbelievable. And then, disappointingly, it's the first solo that I ever learned on guitar, and then I watched the interview with Dave Grohl, and it was his first solo too, so then he wins over that, because no one gives a shit what I learned. <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, but I mean... Listen to that solo. It's not just playing like a blues solo, like oh, here's just a cool sounding. It's 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 him singing the verse over again. But that sweet. This George. sounds like a Joe. Like you said mentioned Joe Cocker. This sounds like a Joe Cocker solo. Yeah. In the vein. Right around here. Yeah. Just like the like his guitar is a little muted. It's got a little something on there. Yeah. Um. This is a very drifty yeah. song though. Yeah. Just, beautiful love song i'm sure it's been played at every wedding and deserve it's like that one song that when you you know you go to some weddings and you're like you're playing this fucking song this one and everyone's like it's cool yeah that's all right that's so cool. th- that last little part there um the vocals of i, I don't know why this little part right here is this, all i have to do is think of it there's yep. a little something special going on there think of her part like you hear you hear the the little overdubs and you hear a little everything going on there underneath um he right there just harmonies yeah so it's 
him harmonizing yeah. himself. Yeah. The the bass line, I, I read that he told Paul McCartney to chill out on some of the bass line, but I've played. I've this is another song. I've, I've learned everything about this song. I've played along bass wise. It's so good melodically, bass bass wise. Yeah. Paul McCartney, not just playing root notes, but not it's overplaying. Super bass lines. Yeah. Well, yeah. He Paul McCartney. It's him and Ringo rhythm wise shine on this on yeah. this album. Um, it was originally written not Frank Sinatra. You know, again, if if Paul if Paul McCartney was 27, then George was 25 when they wrote this. So again, he's writing this huge love song that crosses all ages, 50 year olds, 6 year olds, and he's 25. Um, but when he it's wrote like why this, even try to write a love song? Yeah, it's over at this point. Yeah, stop it. Uh, but when he wrote it, he didn't. Frank Sinatra was more like the just how someone probably looks at. Uh, 90s rock as like nah that's old he was looking at Frank Sinatra like he likes it but he's an old dude I want like someone contemporary and he wanted he was thinking of Ray Charles singing this song yeah. and, and uh, James Brown covered it as well James he's Brown. like alright alright I fucks with that and then he realized it's cool that Frank, Frank Sinatra yeah. like if people like your song who get, it's that he, whole you can step outside of his own his own yeah well you become an, you, like, yeah, right, you become old. you become an adult and yeah. you're like what, I, what my little crew has to yeah. like this and no one else has yeah. to and plus you're in the Beatles everyone likes your ass you've, you've already you're not an indie band anymore you've lost that credibility yeah um, hell of a fucking song and hell of a way two album two songs in doing so good so far and they haven't uh, well they don't really fuck up but yeah I mean what what a way to start uh, great great sequencing oh absolutely so and again bring those two for two his drums yep alright let's uh, let's go into a, this is definitely the weird song on the album yeah, this album has everything. It's got its blues. It's got its psychedelic songs. It's got its straight up pop songs. It's got its kind of uh, PLS cartoony children's songs. Yep. And uh, the first one here is Maxwell Silverhand. And this is like Paul McCartney's. His only Paul McCartney can do this kind of psychedelic Joe pop. Was Silver hammer came down upon her head. 
we got a weird one here. Oh, and here's the introduction to the Moog on the album. Very low in the background. Maxwell Silver Hammer. Hey, and the, the nice juxtaposition or kind of offset of if you just if you weren't listening to the song you'd just be like cartoony mm-hmm. nod your head yeah. back and forth like a weirdo yeah. but it's about a homicidal maniac mm-hmm. and uh, for the longest time I thought that this was uh, a song about like a dude who uh, was overdosing on heroin yeah George was obsessed with the song <laughs> about heroin <laughs> It was pissing me off. I thought about it for a while. It was like a silver hammer, like a hammer and plunger on a on a heroin. I thought we lost George to the side where every song is about heroin. <laughs> something in the way heroin moves, moves me. Yeah, dude, something in the way it moves me. Yeah. Heroin moves you in weird ways. In weird ways. Um, wow, the song's already over. Very weird song. Yeah, and. Uh, Paul McCartney was a little obsessed um, with the song. He thought it was going to be the lead single. He thought it was going to be a huge hit. He, th- This was the song that spent the most time. Now, th- some interviews I read that George and John were over, and Ringo too, were over, over playing how much time they spent on it. Maybe it was like three sessions. But they did it over and over and over again. He was obsessed with it, wanting to get that. He just heard it in his head, the production and how everything should sound. And it is like it's a very finely tuned. There's a lot of stuff going on in the yeah. background. But I think it it lost some of the joy out of it, for, yeah. especially for the other guys where just they just continually weren't working on it. Yeah, working like can we move on, on to something else? Yeah. Um, the other guys not a big fan of it. But well, in a weird way, they said they don't like it, but they like how it turned out. They like the production and the, the the you know the detail that Paul McCartney wanted to do. It worked out, but they didn't like the song. Yeah, that they did not like the song. Yeah, and they didn't like the process of making the song either. I, well, I think that's probably what. Yeah, I mean, that's Harrison the, calls it fruity, but we did a good job. Yeah, uh, Ringo says this is the worst. It's the worst session ever. Was Maxwell Silver Hammer? It was the worst track we'd ever had to record. It went on for fucking weeks. I thought it was mad. Well, and it's just one of those. Not. It's so stupid now to think about, it, especially when you're older. But you're at a party, you put on rock songs. You know, you're like, Let's put on the Beatles, and you put those first. Even though, well, come uh, some things obviously right away. It's like this isn't. Yeah. Rock song, but yeah. then this song is everyone's like, "What the, the fuck? fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it just—it's uh, just so weird. Like the, just the anvil sound alone, the, the, you know that bang bang part. Yeah, and it's about a—it's uh, about a killer. Now, um, well, let's see. You got uh, Joan was quizzical, studied pataphysical. Uh, pataphysics is a surrealist concept invented by playwright Alfred Jerry. Um, the Science of Imaginary Solutions. And also, the, I guess it was a big song by... Uh, uh, what's the name? I can't even think of the name of the band. But there was a song with pataphysics in it uh, at the time. So it was kind of a new term going around. Maybe he picked it up. Uh, you got Maxwell Edison. Now, there's a link. I'm going with the with real life here that there's been some connections to it but I don't see it hugely written about Um, there was a screenwriter Joe Orton and the the reason I just do it is you match up the names 
even though that's a woman, Joan, but Joan, Joe, Joe Orton, and Kenneth Howell, they were two gay lovers, Kenneth Howell, and then you got Maxwell, Maxwell Howell. Are you following me? Are you connecting to the not I'm dots? Um, Joe Orton was killed um, by his lover, Kenneth Howell, on August 8, 1967. He had nine blows to his head with a hammer. And one more connection. On August 8, 1967, he was going to be picked up by a band to talk about making a new movie, but he was killed. The band was George. The Who. The Who. So it has nothing to do with that, and so I, that's why I don't think this is a good catch. I just guessed. Was, that, was it really the hit? No, it was the Beatles, everybody. <laughs> George, you got that wrong. Yeah, um, I'm joking. So yeah, uh, he, there's, they weren't friends, but the day they were supposed to meet up with the Beatles, a car was sent out to him to talk about a script for a, a film. He was killed by his lover, nine blows to the head with a hammer. Yeah, it's a story of a story, uh, you know, with, with a little... Uh, yeah, twist. A little nonsensical. Yeah, and you get a woman, it. and it's uh, th- there was someone else I was reading, or maybe it was like even another podcast about like when he's at the ju- when when he's with in front of the he's in court with the judge. Like, get the hammer out of his. You already know he killed other people with hammers. How does he have another hammer? Yeah. <laughs> get the hammer away from him. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's just a weird story about a dude that's or a, a girl that uh. He's a killer. Back in school again, Maxwell plays the fool again. Teacher gets annoyed, waiting to an unpleasant, uh, waiting to avoid an unpleasant C E E E. Like that, that part, Joe. Uh uh uh. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, that's the the singing along part. So oh oh oh. You got the the moog, the creepy moog going on. Um. I like right there. He laughs and keeps it in the laugh track instead of doing it over again. That's another cool thing about Beatles. Not not everything's perfection, even though this was a song about perfection, but he keeps it in a laugh track. Yeah. And there's a couple, there's like uh, just some of the, just the, the little details in every every yeah. Beatles song. The, yeah, you know, the, the background, background vocals. Or he creeps up from behind. Yeah. And then right... Yeah. Every time. And they got the classical piano buildup. And the silver. And at the end of the song, they finally do like a chant. The silver hammer. It kind of sounds like My Morning Jacket's uh, highly suspicious. Highly suspicious. That kind of chant. English chant. Uh, deep cut right there. I'm gonna jacket. We gotta do one of those. Oh, we will. Yeah. Leslie speaker guitar. Um, it's just it's it, there's nothing else that can be said besides just a psychedelic pop melodic pop song by Paul McCartney. Yep. He does it the best, the weirdest. Uh, people might not like it. But and uh, on this one, Hammond is uh, George Martin's playing Hammond. Mm. Noise. <laughs> just them starting with new new uh, sounds. All right, let's. Uh, do we need to go over anything else about this song? I enjoy the song, but I do agree it's, you know, a little daft or whatever you want to call it. But that, that's, again, why I love them is that they don't give a fuck. 
and it's like they take they don't take themselves too seriously. They take themselves seriously just enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where even a, a song that's that's goofy like this, you still give it the credit it deserves. And, yeah, you know as much I mean? as the other guys bitched about it, they all worked on it. Yeah. They all gave it their best. Three days. Yeah, yeah. get over it. So I you, don't have a, you don't have a nine to five guy. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. 25 year old guys millennials 25 year olds <laughs> alright so they, they but uh, they're not gonna quit with um, the Paul McCartney pushed songs we're gonna go into he gets he gets two in a row here um, it's so funny to talk about this like this cause again what other band are you like alright now it's the drummer's turn let's oh, give everybody a the, turn yeah, yeah. This, this doesn't happen it's one singer one song or one album, and that's it. That's pretty much the gist. You got a couple bands that do that, but not not to this extent, not I mean, even close. But, and the thing is, I don't think it's it was at all a case of like, okay, well, let's make sure that he gets heard too. It's like, oh no, that song's a banger. Well, we bought that song. Like, maybe was, a little bit to a certain extent, but it's not like they're putting like we're not going to give Ringo a song. That, the deal was good. one song for Ringo, but, but well, he usually didn't write, and they yeah. wrote a song. They they would be like just to do that alone to be like, we're going to write you a song, you're going to sing on the album. Yeah. That's crazy. George would get two, and then they would get four to five each. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is when everything started to change a lot more, or even on the White Album. That's well, the White Album. We'll get into why that they couldn't agree on who gets how many songs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they still made sure there's Ringo. There's a Ringo song on every album, and then there's a couple of Georges, and then you can see how much better he was getting. And like you said, he had a catalog of triple triple album ready to go. Um, but let's get into uh, the fourth song. Yeah. Oh, darling. Oh, it's actually oh, darling. Oh, oh, darling. darling. Not question mark. No, darling. Oh, darling. Oh, darling. Song number four. doesn't if someone didn't just redeem himself with thanks Maxwell more of this stuff Jesus Christ and uh, I'll go ahead and say Paul McCartney is the best singer in, oh, the, yeah. in the Beatles mm-hmm. uh, I think by leaps and bounds and just his range he can do the boyish voice and he can do this Joe Cockery yeah this uh, Joe Cockery or like uh, 
Chuck Berry and who's the other this dude? Very screamo. Uh, no, not Chuck Berry. Who's the other dude? The gay dude. Little Richard. Little Richard. Little, Very little, little Richard. Little Richard gay? No. He's. I get this. He's a little limp in the wrist. He's super gay. Little <laughs> 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 Um. Yeah. So it's it's a throwback to that to those songs. Right there. He's like out of tune. Yeah. <laughs> So like if you and me were trying it. It's too oppy. Um, it's got the little like arpeggio. Snaps. Oh, and the snaps. And the sad guitar. Yeah. Um, but it really is all about that vocal take. Yeah. So um, apparently he would uh, when he when they were record or not apparently when they were recording this he would try to just do it one like in one take a day. Yep. Because he was right trying the, to right the first yeah. before everyone even got there. Yeah, he was living um, down. A couple blocks away from Abbey Road Studio, so he would always get there first uh, for the for the day's recording session, and he would try to do this because he just wanted he didn't want his voice. This would likely just shred his voice for the uh, for the day or for the session or whatever. So he would just try to get a one and go. Oh, no, it didn't work. Let's try to get them all. Well, yeah, he said over that time too because they stopped doing kind of the screamer songs that. The, the, the thing that I really do like about their pre-drug albums is what they were more just rocking, and both of them were screaming. You got Twist and Shout, John Lennon doing that, which yeah. is ridiculous. You got, uh, he even says, um, five years ago, this is Paul McCartney, he's telling Alan Pearsons that, Parsons, the engineer, five years ago, I could have done this in a flash, referring, I suppose, to the days of Long Kong Sally in Kansas City. You listen to those songs. It's funny, now he's only 28 and he's yeah. fucking losing it, but that's days. true, though. Singing at that kind of crazy level, that's that's not going to last long. Um, so, yeah, he would come in every morning, but he, he also said over that time, he, he he's a really good singer. He's got a smooth voice, but he was losing that rocker thing, and he can only get that. If, if his voice was too warmed up in the in the day, he just couldn't get there. Anymore. Yeah, well, there's that. There's the kind of the beauty in the, in the rawness and the... Yeah, uh, it's not singing well. It's actually just yes, yelling. Yeah, exactly. Even though it's really... He's, he's a professionally trained singer. Um, John Lennon agreed Oh Darling was one of Was a great one of Paul's That he didn't sing too well Of course John had to go there I thought I always could have done it better It was more my style than his He wrote it so what the hell He's going to sing it If he had any sense he should have let me sing it And then he started laughing Yeah. Nice little stab but he loved it Um because Lennon loves this kind of the rock songs. Yeah, the, totally. The, yeah. the, the like the little Richard Chuck Berry style stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was reading somewhere that on the anthology. Well, not I mean no on the anthology three also when uh, him and Yoko final or when Yoko was able to get her divorce so that John and, and, and Yoko could be together on anthology three he sings about you know he kind of jokes around sings the lyrics sings. He, about. he goes, I'm free this morning, baby. Told the Lord it's okay. Believe me when I tell you, I'll never do you no harm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, again, I highly suggest you guys listening to the anthologies too. Oh, yeah. they're, they're just awesome. Hear them jibber jabbering. Yeah. The it, it, there was a whole like Facebook um, know, movement where people were writing their most albums that got them inspired or the most inspirational top 10 albums of their formative uh, years uh, teen years yeah. anthology more than all the other ones I, I was if I, I didn't put the list out but if I had a list 
I was thinking about it. The, I, I, I listened to all the other albums, but there was something about the anthology just because it goes behind the curtain. Yeah. But it's also not like, oh, this is gross back here. The, the, there's like, oh, these, these guys are amazing. They're even, and, and they're even more enjoyable. Oh, yeah. It, behind the curtain, they're, they're hilarious. Funny. Some of the, like I was saying about some, the something version on the anthology, it just got a beauty in its rawness. And like you hear George was crying when he's singing that. Yeah. Um, and even even though Darling, uh, all of them are pretty much on there. Well, and um, it, it made me even realize being young, because you know people talk about punk music, and they're like, the reason punk became such a, a force, and it's always changing in the guard every generation. But you had all these prog rock bands, you had Led Zeppelin. That when you listen to that, you're like, I can't do that. No one can do that. You listen to punk rock, and you're like, I can do that. Play three chords fast. When you listen to the Beatles, you're like, I can't do that. But when you listen to Anthology, you realize the structure yeah, underneath yeah. is actually, yeah, it's very simple. Well, and, and just a song like Oh Darling. All it, what is it? It's essentially Oh Darling, Please Believe Me, I'll Never Do You No Wrong. Oh Darling, Please Believe Me, I hardly broke, you know. It's all I the passion broke down behind and cried. it. It's the passion behind it. Yeah. But ultimately, we're doing, I don't know if this is, this is a 12 bar blues, but it's, it's kind of similar in that, in that vein. Lyrics are, are pretty simple. The, everything going on in the background is pretty straight up. It's, it's just this is kind of in the get back, uh, the, what, the, what they were doing for that get back session, which this is kind of all sharing the same yeah, time frame. Exactly. Where they wanted to go back and go back to those early '60s days. Right. Or in '50s. Yeah, late '50s, early '60s. Yeah, you're right. Uh, playing this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think this is like almost Oh Darling should have been on. Let it be, not the one, not that it's it got should the, have been, but yeah. it was the feel of it's let the it most be, what they were trying to do. Retro, yeah, oh for sure, uh, especially on 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 Abbey Road. And great backup ooing and ahhing as always. That's Beatles. That's a Beatles uh, standard. Yeah, and, and on and Ringo's on Abbey Road, just yeah, the ooing and ahhing. Yeah. But right there, that little Ringo fill. We were playing it when yeah. when we were had the song out. His his passion right here singing. Um, and, and I agree, well, and he, it's not even debatable, he is the best singer in the band. I always like Lennon because I feel it's uh, like more soul, um, you know, it's almost that thing of more screaming and more just like genuine to me, but on certain songs, Paul's just, Paul just destroys it, and yeah. this, is, this is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when he does, when he goes into the when you told me part, and you when you told me, just, you, as anyone that's ever been in love, I mean, you just easily relate to that. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a heart wrenching song, but it's not a sad song. It's just like fucking god damn it, man, the one that got away, yeah. darling. Like we had that shit. Yeah. Just, I mean, in my, it's it, there's beauty in the simplicity. You know, a, a big reason I do love the Beatles is because they are so um, complicated and complex, and but not really. But not. What do you mean? I mean, at the basic, if you just play, get an acoustic well, sure, guitar. The, the, the long and winding road, a song like that. That's a very, that's a very yeah. complicated song. And, but with the, with a, with, if you I'm saying the, that's why I like the Beatles is because they do have these like pretty complex open songs but then they also have yeah. songs that go darling but they're not like a progressive band not like they're, they don't they're go definitely in- the, the infancy of prog rock 
like uh, yeah, I over guess here, not... and I want you so heavy. Yeah, but that's... but even that's simple. You know, they don't oh, go into right. like like they don't go into these like complicated. You know, as a guitar player, they're not playing easy chords. No, not at all. It's just, but it is. It's rock and roll one on one on one. Sure. Like I have, I have the rock and roll or rock and roll. I have the Beatles complete discography. Uh, like it has all the music connotations of piano, all the strings, all the guitar. When you really like, get down to it, and, and and it goes to a lot of George and I's favorite bands. I can speak for you is we we like when you can strip down a band to an acoustic guitar, and you still have the song. You still be like. I can still feel it, yeah. and it still has the soul to it, yeah. and then you just... Well, which is why it. when Paul McCartney was playing the playing something with the ukulele, mm -hmm. it's still just like, oh, I still, still works. feel this. I still yeah. feel it. You couldn't, play, you couldn't play We Don't Need No Education on a ukulele. Maybe you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, there's still a campfire feel song it. to it, yeah. I'm glad we fought and debated that. Great song. Uh, not, and again, I don't hate Maxwell's Silver Hammer, but this is very redeeming rocker. Um, but at the, the reason it is because it is nostalgic and it is going back through time. Maxwell's Silver Hammer came out of nowhere. Yeah. That you can't be like, oh, that's like. Yeah. All that's like is another weird Paul McCartney psychedelic pop song. Anything on Paul on uh, on uh, Sgt. Pepper. Sgt. Pepper. Or something. That's it. Rocky Raccoon or like whatever some weird song yeah but now we are gonna go into we were talking about how Ringo does get a song but usually they were written by John or Paul John wrote uh, with a little help from my friends Paul wrote Yellow Submarine um, and they would give them to Ringo which is amazing in itself to do that but things change here he did write another song I think it's George's favorite Beatles song uh, or uh they're gonna, They're gonna put me in the movies. I believe that's isn't that him? Wait, what? <laughs> Anyways, let's, let's just try to get into the fifth song. Here we go. We'll talk about it when we get back. Octopus's Garden. Octopus is garden. Possessive. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. I'd ask my friends to come and see. In the shade We would be warm Below the storm In our little hideaway Beneath the waves Resting our head On the seabed In an octopus's garden Near a cave Richard Starkey's best song, Octopus's Garden. Passed off by some as merely another childhood, child, 
written song about the ocean, but this one goes a little deeper and a little darker, for me at least, if you if you listen to it. Um, this song was originally written during, and, and talking over and over again, like during the White Album period way back a year ago. 12, 12 whole months. Not ago. even the 12, not, probably not like yeah. seven months yeah. ago. Yeah. Anyways, so this is an old song. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, we'll get into it when we get into the White Album, episode 30. Um, right? Is that next? Okay. Um, but he originally wrote the song at that time when he quit the band. Ringo was one of the first, or the first to quit the band at a time when they were just starting to fall apart. And he was in a little bummer mood, so he wanted to get away on holiday. He was always on holiday. God bless that guy. So he took Peter Sellers' uh, boat or yacht to Sardinia in 1968. And uh, they had a, a captain there that was telling him about octopuses and how they live, yeah. George, under the ocean. They have little seabeds. And they, they gra- gather little Grab rocks, shit. And yeah. shells, and they make their own little... Collected in the caves underneath the sea. Yeah, uh, and he was just kind of enchanted by that idea. And then, uh, then you add on if you've been a psychedelic uh, adventurer, you know things can get a little swimmy and a little underwater. So it's got that part going, a little cosmic thing. And, and there's a quote. I don't know if I'll read the whole George Harrison quote. It's not that long, but fuck it. Octopus Garden is Ringo's song. This is George Harrison, 1969. It's only the second Ringo uh, song written by Ringo, and it's lovely. Ringo gets bored playing the drums, and at home he plays a bit of piano, but he only knows about three chords. He knows about the same on guitar. I think it's a really great song, because on the surface, it's just like a daft... I love daft. That's such a great word. Daft kid song. But the lyrics are great. For me, you know, I find very deep meaning in the lyrics, which Ringo probably doesn't even see. But all the thing like resting our head on the seabed and we'll be warm beneath the storm, which is really great, you know, because it's like the level is a storm. (laughs) And if you get sort of deep in your consciousness, it's very peaceful. So Ringo's writing his cosmic songs without noticing. That's hilarious. Yeah. And the... the, It's just a feel good song. the, The full credit, I mean, Ringo wrote the song, but... It is all George Mark, uh, George Mark, George Harrison that makes this song uh, uh, Beatles like. If 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 George didn't do, just can you just play? The, oh, I love this little breakdown, but play the intro. Besides this great solo here, yeah, it's what make there. That. Yeah, and then he goes into the solo. I'd like to and it does kind of reference back to uh, Yellow Submarine on the breakdown that I just told them to move away from. They do like a, uh, they do the ring, but they put a tremolo on it, so it's like. So it sounds like fish. It's almost like it reminds me of the fish in uh, Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee's Playhouse, that are like. Like it's that weird tremolo. That's how a fish would sound if he was like singing. Yeah, yeah. So, backup vocals, and then yeah. again, George, like you were saying, George's licks. Yeah, it's George Harrison's guitar. This is so good. You got the ooze, and they just progressively get more. Yeah, they just keep picking up. And it sounds like waves. It sounds like ocean waves, and it's a very peaceful song. 
I, I think if you don't like the song, I, I understand, but I, I don't think you're at peace with yourself. And I think you need to work on that. And if it doesn't at least tickle some of your Yeah, if you're just like, fuck this song, you're angry, you gotta work on that. It's just a song. Ringo's still playing drums on this, I believe. I know George, George just said in that quote that you read that he gets bored of playing piano. Or get bored of playing drums, but this yeah. is still him on drums. Yeah, he's on drums. He's doing all the effects. Ringo does a lot on this. Um, John Lennon just played rhythm guitar. Um, oh, Paul's doing the cool piano, that little like ragtime piano on it. And I mean, he got—he wrote this fucking song on a yacht. He wrote it out in the water. I mean, it's literally. Sounds about right. Yeah. Most people don't just get to go on Peter Sellers' yacht and uh, go on holiday for a week. What a pink panther that guy's. So five songs in, and everyone got a song. And that's how the Beatles wrote, bitches. Um. Yeah, so that's uh, everyone. All the Beatles got their own cosmic songs. This is how this is how Ringo rolls. And uh, again, I think um, I think this was during the sessions where John wasn't around. It was like the early part of the sessions, and Paul wasn't either. So, and there was something like a little like the the two little guys, even though they weren't little, but just the two less known guys in the band being like, let's fucking do this. Like, yeah. this is our song. Yeah. You know, let's let's work on this. Fuck those guys. Um, and I like that, like George being like, "Dude, I got you. Let's uh, let's make this shit. Let's like let's make it legit." Let's, yeah, it's like not, 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 so it's not just like, "Oh, we're gonna throw you a bone." Yeah, You're like no, do you? We have something good, and like that quote that you were saying. He's like, he sees the. the, the There's more there. That. Yeah. yeah, don't even beat yourself up. There's more to it than you even probably see. Yeah. And it's and then you go and, and the the Sarahs are kind of just. The lyrics are about being in a storm and wanting to get away, and that's when he quit the band. And it, again, we can't imagine what it was like. There's um, there's so many documentaries, but there's a, a new one about uh, the early years of the Beatles, and it's just it's crazy just how fucked up their life was, and just how beyond. There's not gonna be I, mean, I don't know if they I don't want to say something like that, but there's not gonna be that type of famous anymore. I mean, there's there's stars now that can't go out, but not to this extent. Like they literally couldn't do anything. At least uh, you know Kanye West can have a concert. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can do the thing that he does at least. And and he, and you see him out now at like stores and shit, but they they couldn't do anything. And it must have been, no matter how great it was. And what are you complaining about? You're getting pussy and you're getting money. Yeah. Well, you can't just go and fucking. Well, he also live in a huge mansion. I mean, you get where I'm going. Yeah, there's, there's uh, you're gonna have issues no matter what side, no matter no matter what side of the uh, spectrum you're on. And, and yeah, the the Beatles, but it's like yeah, there's still a human being who has issues, and that's why I mean he's in a band, Ringo specifically here in the situation. He is in a band that he loves and he loves being in. But then there's turmoil and there's all this shit. They're the world famous. There's pressure on them. That, yeah, you, you if once you slip up a little boo bit. Boo fucking who? Boo fucking who? Yeah, but there's actual real pressure. Yeah. Um, Instead of a, a day-to-day job where you just kind of do what you need to do to get by, it's like no, we have to keep producing yeah. at this level, or we're a failure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
or considered a failure in our head. All right, so let's uh, let's end this side one. Side one. Oof. With the longest song on the record and Prague song. Prague. This is like a lot of bands where it came from this song. Yeah, and uh, this is one of my favorites. Same. Uh, Lennon's. Um, yeah, we'll just get into it when, once we actually play it. But I want you. She's so heavy. Fourteen words total in the song. Yeah, those of them, ones I just said, and and then we have a, so this everything slowly building up, building up, building up. Right where we're sitting right now, this is kind of the motif of the song. That's the arpeggios, and then as the arpeggiated guitar going on in the background here, and then. It's, this is just gonna slowly build, slowly build, slowly build, slowly yeah. build. And then even this, I will. I want you. I want you so bad. Well, he doesn't now, sing it again. Getting, it just gets like yeah, salsa. It's, it's, it's it, but they they sort Spice. of are becoming more and more complex in the in the you know arrangement progressions. Yeah, uh, arrangements of the songs. Yeah, drums are getting a little bit more complicated. Basses are. It's a hypnotic song. It's yeah. not supposed. He's not supposed to go into any. He's just gonna ramp ramp that in your fucking head. And he has a uh, pretty good quote about it. A good Lennon quote. Um, quote John Lennon. A reviewer wrote of "She's So Heavy." He seems to have lost his talent for lyrics. It's so simple <laughs> and so boring. "She's So Heavy" was about Yoko. When it gets down to it, like she said, when you're drowning, you don't say, quote, I would be incredibly pleased if someone would have the foresight to notice me drowning and come help me. You just scream. And then She's So Heavy, I just sang, I want you, I want you so bad, and she's so heavy, I want you. Like that. Beautiful. 
Yeah, when you're fucking feeling you're not, you don't have, you even have words. You're just like, fucking help me. I need it. I need everything that you got. I'm not going to be poet. I'm not going to write you a little poem. I'm just, bitch, I want you. Or it's about heroin. Then here we go. Yeah. Oh. This is kind of, I don't know, I just hear like so 60s like lounge. Mm -hmm. lounge, Yeah, it's very loungy. And it's very sparse. You don't have this, this, and this is what Lennon was kind of get. The, the sorry, I just got sidetracked with the bass on this. There's tons of that kind of stuff. Paul McCartney playing great bass on this song. Uh, Billy Preston's on the organ, and he does a lot of the like big like fills. And these little fills right here. Lennon's vocals, like he, his voice breaks there. He sounds like he's on the threshold of losing his mind. And then you got this dark Beach Boys harmonizing of heavy. You got George, John, and then Paul with that high, beautiful singing heavy on top of it that just floats over. Yeah, a song of just complete obsession. Sexy. It's dirty. a sexy, yeah, sexy, dirty, like deranged. Yeah, like yeah, it's dark. Like yeah. there's something wrong with yeah. me. Yeah. Not a wedding song. No. So this this part here. And this this part was John and uh, George just piling on guitars over and over as much as they could. It, again, it's eight tracks, so it's not 72 guitars, not Smashing Pumpkins, but it's as much as they could. Put at that time, and and then again, people say this is a kind of the, the start of like a heavy metal, very in, infant sound because it's just that drudgy, doom, boom, 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 repetitive, repetitive over and over. But it gets you in a weird place. I was even playing this last night. I was telling George on the way home, and it was raining out, and we had this loud in the car. And with this, and then the Moog with the white noise generator that just seeps in and then becomes like starts distracting you but it gets you very hypnotic if you're stoned i mean this is just white noise machine going it gets you weird as you zone the fuck out and huh incredibly hypnotic yeah they were thinking originally to just fade it out you know just and beatles are really good at at kind of fading out songs um i don't even need to get into the quote of it but their engineer was kind of working on like where am I going to start fading and then Lennon came up and said no just cut it yeah. and he said right here this is like in the middle of your like one of the the jam you're doing it's not even it's not an ending it's not the chord you're supposed to end on just cut it yeah. it's going to make everyone feel that tension tension and then what will come next well, which you're going to flip it, it but right. even when you don't it's like you're like falling slowly into an abyss of hell yeah. and then out comes the next song. So, uh, should we just go into it? How much more do we got of the song? 45. Yeah. All right. Let, well, it, let it play out. Hear this. You can hear the abrupt ending, and then we're going to the sweet bliss of Here Comes the Song. Great drums, great everything on the song. Fucking fabulous song.
Official George Harrison is one of the chief songwriters now. Yeah. One of uh, maybe number one, number two of my favorite songs. And not that it like matters that whatever, but I think it's the number one song on Spotify. So it's, it's their biggest listened to song. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Since there's a beautiful video of uh, people, at, in, I think it was a, it's a YouTube video in uh, I think in Barcelona or something, and there's people. It's like kind of one of those hidden camera things. And they're at a, I believe, a social services office or where do people get welfare checks? Wherever people get, like, welfare checks. Uh, it's a place where people are just kind of generally downtrodden and sad. And then this group of, uh, like, musicians walk into this big office and it's, and it's crowded. And you see think the camera kind of pans over to everybody. And, uh, and everybody's clearly just kind of looking down, sad looking. And then this group of people come in they start singing Here Comes the Sun and they have these the, like Spanish accents and it's adorable and like every now and then I'm feeling down I'll watch that video yeah. and just kind of well up yeah. with, with emotion because it's like you see what's going on the song Here Comes the Sun and it just meaning so much more just like Octopus's Garden was Ringo's respite away from the Beatles Here Comes yeah. the Sun was George Harrison's respite from the Beatles yeah this was and just kind of like alright well positive positive outlook and 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 it's not cheesy it's not it's just it's it's perfect and 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 when you think about the spectrum of music not that everyone's down and like a lot of hip-hop is like happy music but it's also like self self happy like i'm the shit i'm the shit and then there's and then there's people not not focus on the negative i love all that music but the beatles were the one really positive band trying to even through a lot of the darkness trying to find that light and here comes the sun, without a doubt. And this is, I think I said this for something. When this one comes on, I try not to listen to this too much. But when I need it, or when it does come on randomly, God damn it. It's, it is that, it's exactly what it was meant to be. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is his getting away from the Beatles, but it's, it's more even, there's no right or wrong, but it's, he was just, this is going back to what we originally talked about, him just not a businessman, so sick of this, sign this, sign that. What do you think about making money here? Blah blah blah. I don't give a shit about this. I'm not, I'm not at all interested in it. Um, and it's it's kind of a song of being saved from depression when you 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 feel that 
dark cloud uh, that uh, Bob Dylan talks about, you know, following you and you're just, you're getting enveloped in it and you're like, fuck, and you just see that, whatever it is, whatever, a girl, a guy, whatever, uh, whatever, a, a nice walk, a, a, a peaceful moment for yourself. It's, it's that one glimmer of like, there is hope. Just pure, unadulterated, unadulterated. Yeah. Bliss. And I don't feel drugs or anything. I feel like natural. The sun. It's the fucking sun. It's a, it's gonna come up for you. I, I always get kind of tripped out about the sun. How everyone that you've ever read about, Julius Caesar, the fucking Hitler, they all looked woke up one morning and was like, oh look how nice the sun is today. The same one that you look at today. You know, it's just it's it's that one unifying thing that makes us all keep ticking. Yeah. So if you're ever having doubts. You do still got the sun. If you're homeless, you still got the sun that's going to come up and uh, keep you warm. And you still got, here comes the sun. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully if you're homeless, you got a, yeah. a <laughs> speaker speaker or something. Bluetooth speaker with an iPhone. You probably do nowadays yeah. in America. Yeah. And uh, here, here's kind of uh, the epicenter of the mood, just kind of in the background, yeah, yeah. playing along with the melody. Well, the breakdown. Yeah. The sun. It keeps on doing like a little, like they, they turn up the resonance or one of the filters, so the, the mood keeps on going like every time it comes back a little more weird. Yeah. And it, it was just about to get cheesy, but it doesn't. Yeah. This is the one song they take the mood to the next level. Uh, originally, it was written, uh, George was walking around Eric Clapton's garden in Surrey. Surrey? Sorry if I don't know. In England. He was in Eric Clapton's uh, garden, which must be nice just to walk around the garden and just walking around with probably a dope-ass acoustic. Mm -hmm. Sat right in that little river right there, which is classic. Everyone knows how to play that. Simple, but not simple. I always have problems just playing it clean. It's just go when it, the it's fretted, right? Or there's a capo just, on it, something. I don't or even, is it straight up? It probably is, but it's more just the hammer on, like to get that melody. It's not. It's not impossible at all. It's not that difficult, but it's just to play that pretty. It's you gotta be, you gotta be on it. George Harrison. A lot of people just, or a lot of people just, just blow through it. Yeah. Or or the do 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 um, and try to give us some deep cuts uh, to help, you know, to give us a little, give our podcast a little fucking credence here, a little, we're different. Um, the London Meteorological Stations show April 69, when he wrote the song, set the record for sunlight hours, was not beaten until 1984. The most sunlight hours, I mean... Whatever. And February and March were, were the cold. Were much colder. One of the coldest winters they had in a long, long time. So the just transition. Literally, here comes. The literally, sun. here comes the sun. And he talks about just how. I mean, he was in England. We all know the jokes. How shitty it is. Yeah. But he said it was pretty glum time at that point. Talking about business meetings and it was always raining. Blah blah blah. And April was really nice. It literally was nice. Yeah. It was the most sunlight hours he would see till 1984. Um. Yeah, just a great happy song. It reminds me of people I knew in my in my life that not even huge music fans, but when they would be looking through my like record collection 
and put on the uh, on, on, they put on Beatles, but it would be this song. Like, and again, it's Spotify's number one song. It's the positivity. We all uh, we all want it. We yeah. all want that. And yeah, yearning for that straight up just there's a move there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the Voyager in 1977, the you know the, the, the ship that they sent out to their to the space, uh, yeah. the gold uh, the gold record that whoever aliens or whoever is gonna listen to. Carl Sagan really wanted Here Comes the Sun on there. Across and the universe, right? Across the universe made it, but Here Comes the Sun. Oh, nice. Um, Why can't Carl, they just do both of them? It was a whole legality thing, and Beatles didn't even own the rights at the time. And then Beatles again, wanted it on there. And I'm not, again, sucking their 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 balls, but you're going to pick two Beatles. Like, all the songs yeah. in the world, and you're like, we're fighting over it two Beatles It was like Long songs. Tall Sally, I think, was one of them. Or, or Johnny Be Good. Yeah. One of those. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. This was 77. I get it. It's rock and roll. It's the first rock and roll song. Yeah. I get it. But yeah. come on, Johnny, be good. Just put Abbey Road on there. <laughs> Roll your eyes at Johnny, be sucky. You know what I mean? Johnny, be shit. But, like, let's talk about a universal song that everyone can feel. Here comes the yeah. sun. Johnny, be good. It's like most people don't know jo- who's Johnny. Who's <laughs> Johnny? I mean, who's a shit? I, I, I just, when I just said that, I think of uh, Chris DeLay. Like, come on. What are you doing? Just don't Come do on. Who, who are you? 100%. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> here uh, comes the sun. Okay, so now we're having this is the first side of the back side of the B side here. Always chance to start over, everyone. Yes. That's what this song is. That's what he's saying. And you know, like the ice is slowly melting. It doesn't mean that everything turns away, but you can see, even if you're caught in that darkness, like you just see like the drip. Oh, it's starting to go away. That, li- that light at the end of the tunnel, whatever cliche you can fill in. It's there. It's there. Um, yeah, and, and like you said, obviously that winter, that long and coldly winter mm-hmm. that was leading up to this, Harrison's feeling shitty about his, a lot of things. He's probably sitting in, in Eric Clapton's garden with literally literal sun hitting him in the face. Hasn't felt sun in months, and just like, okay, well, things will be better, you know. I know you love those weird moments when you just you you you're like, I'm just gonna go out to the store. I'm gonna go hang out with my friends. You're walking, and the the sun just feels perfect, yeah. and you just do that like your dog. You stop and you just look up. You yep. close your eyes and you put you do that little smile. It's not a smile. It's, it's, a, it's just like a smirk. Like it's it's just the way the meth <laughs> the sun. It just feels just better. Naturally. <laughs> you're, you're also squinting, but your eyes are closed. Uh, I, I, I know exactly what that's yeah. like. Yeah, and that's what that's what I feel with this song. I was trying to look up the different countries that I've listened to us on SoundCloud, but. Uh, everywhere, almost everywhere. Everywhere, wow. you feel the song, and want you to know if you're going through any tough times, our fans, George and I are there for you. We love you. Don't forget to check out the podcast website yet again: www.thisismusicpodcast.com. Yeah, leave, leave a fucking message, you losers. <laughs> Let us know. And if you uh, don't, kill yourself. Just do it. Good one, George. Yeah. Not you, but George, the real George. What else is it to say? It's beautiful. And uh, speaking of beautiful, you know, we talked about John Lennon. He was more wanting to get into more like, I'm a rock and roller. I'm, I'm the heavy guy in this band. I'm the guy. I don't, I don't want any bullshit. Well, he throws quite the, uh, he might throw the most beautiful quote song on the album. Some monkey, a monkey wrench in that, uh, in that theory. This guy can throw down with the best of them. Yeah. Let's go to song number... 
because melody in So, to remind everyone about the Beatles and why they are different from rock bands of the time, is they're a vocal band. Of any time. Of any time, but yeah, but like, vocals, it, I mean, besides the Beach Boys, it's just... Yeah. And I, I was joking with George, like, this is like them showing the Beach Boys, like, oh, what are you guys doing? Cute. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Uh, George, John, and Paul. Twice. Yeah, double vocals. Actually, is it three vocals? It might be three. They may have nine voices. Yeah. It's a weird song. And yeah. it's just, there it is, it goes away. It, it just has... It just has uh, some sort of like psychic, otherworldly. Yeah, very psychedelic. Very, very, very psychedelic uh, feeling to it. And uh, especially what we came into the podcast with was the isolated version from the Love soundtrack. Which George just saw last weekend, folks. He, This is how great of a journalist we are for the Europe. I went to Las Vegas George, for this podcast. Just for that. I was like, George, go out on the sign. He's like, what am I doing, Charlie? I'm like, you're going to see love. Okay. Yeah, and, and I He paid for it, but whatever. I went, I, I, yeah, I saw the Love Cirque du Soleil show in Vegas. Um, easily, I've been to Vegas maybe uh, at this point when I was a kid, adult, maybe 20 times, 30 times now. I have to work maybe more than that. Over 50 times I've been to Vegas. And... I went to go see Love with uh, dear friend Brian and Kimberly Dawson Duckworth 
uh, and it was just magical. And they start the show with this, just the vocals. You can listen to the soundtrack on Spotify. The soundtrack on Spotify. They also have the isolated version on Anthology Three. Yeah, that's where I first heard it. I was yeah. like, I've heard this before. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's where I first heard it too, as well. I just saw the show right back. Well, yeah, the soundtrack's been out. So, if you're in uh, a traveler of the world and you go to Las Vegas, go see Love. Uh, yeah, you can, still on my. It's still there while it's there. It's been there for ten years. It's crazy. Um, over ten years. Yeah. Um, and it's just awesome. Yeah. And that they start the show. The, the entire uh, theater is dark, and then they just start. So dope. I, like I've said about everything that music you know you, you go see a movie you see it the reason it's great is because it's in surround sound and then I got friend, not really friends but just people that I know that they listen to their music like on shitty speakers or they like have it on their car at like 2 and they're like oh this song's okay I'm like you're not because you're not giving it it's fair chance you sit in a fucking dark room and blast this shit you are this is a new religion for yeah. you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, and I thought that I couldn't be a bigger Beatles fan. Myself, I'm not saying I'm the biggest big Beatles fan. Uh, you just said it. No. I'll edit that. It sounds like uh, okay. You said well, it. we'll cut it back. Uh, no, I'll I, turn I, it to I thought that I couldn't be. I I didn't have the capacity to love the Beatles more until I went to go see Love, <laughs> and then it was just like, yeah, the best band of all time, and it's not even close. It, well, you didn't see in little italics. It's actually called "Love the Beatles More." The Beatles More. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one can see it. <laughs> no one has ever seen it's, it. It's a it's a propaganda you, machine by the Beatles company. It's like how I love you. So, she's she's so or uh, I want you. She's so heavy. Yeah. It's you, in parentheses, love the Beatles more now. Right. Yeah. But in you can't. Yeah. You can't see it. You need a microscope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you really look, you'll be able to. It's see propaganda. It. Uh, so I highly suggest that. Uh, now and, we can talk about because the actual song. Yeah, so uh, jo- uh, John Lennon was lying on the sofa and listening to Yoko play uh, Moonlight Sonata by on the piano by Beethoven. She's a classically trained pianist. Ludwig van Beethoven. And he's just sitting back probably, you know, smoking a jubie or whatever, brah. Yeah, bro. And uh, enjoying it. And he said, wait, can you play those chords backwards? And I don't know, I haven't looked up the chord progression, I don't know if it's exactly it, but you know, then he elaborated from there and pretty much took, that was an inspiration, took those chords and then added this ridiculous harmony on top of it. And this is a classic, classical song. If you sped this up, it would sound like a, like if you just sped it up, it it would sound like a classical song. Here we go. You all know this, you've heard it. So this is it backwards. Oh, is it? Yeah. And it's not it's not exactly backwards, but that it's like this is Yeah, the progression. Do you have it forwards too? I can yeah. Cool. Oh, I never heard it backwards, that's cool. But everyone it's it's a weird thing. Yeah. You know this song. It's in well, movies. It's actually pretty easy to play on piano. Yeah, it's one of the first yeah. ones you probably learn. Like, first, I learned first it first Beethoven song. song I, that was the first learned, song I ever learned. Whatever. Uh, first Beethoven song you learn is uh, Beethoven's Ninth. Sticks. Da, 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 yeah. Oh, it's a joy. And, and you gotta, gotta be all. Do, 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 do. 
So you know so the song. So you get you get the point. It's a song. It's bait. He's overrated. Yeah. Um, Death. Ooh, I like how you faded back into that. The Moog. They brought the Moog in there. Yep. But let's not shit ourselves. It's all about them vocals, there, boys. Uh, just vocals to remind and the you. Just to remind you. Yeah. Um, Ellie Smith does a really good cover of this. You should listen to too. And without the Beatles, I mean, Ellie Smith is like a second coming of Beatles type songs like this. Uh, just, just this is a great song. Very, we've already said psychedelic. Just in its own little. I like it, it. We went from I want you this dark. She's so heavy. Here comes the sun. Here's hope because because it isn't dark. It's just like it's very like lost song floating in space song and it's 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 a nice kind of We're about to get into the long one, which is the the medley um, And this is a nice way to send you off. It's like all right, we've done we're the Beatles. We've given you Come Together, Something, Maxwell Silverhammer, Oh Darling, Octopus Garden, I Want You, She's So Heavy, Here Comes the Sun. Now we're in a, those are full, fully thought out, complete songs that go through the the temple. Uh, you got Come Together, it's a dirty kind of swampy song. You got Something, this beautiful drifting love song, Maxwell Silverhammer, that weird psychedelic melodic pop. Oh, darling, the kind of callback to 50s uh, doo wop. Beginning of rock. Octopus's Garden. This is the Ringo song. Yeah. I Want You, She's So Heavy is just this dark fucking blues. Also, back to the. Back A to little the, bit, yeah. Reminiscent of yeah. the 50s stuff. Here Comes the Sun is just this beautiful pop sunshine masterpiece. And then because just kind of. It feels like it's just like a period of like, well, there's that. And now we're about to go. I mean, and, and just one of the best little phrases there. Love is all, love is new. Love is all, love is you. Yeah. L- Lennon would love to do. He he totally believed in propaganda. He would have been, if he was a dictator, he would have been like a great Hitler. Like, like he loved just, <laughs> he loved. Love. Love is new. Yeah. Love is war. Yeah. War is over. All yeah. you need is love. He knew that shit gets into you instead of being like, because for a while he was doing the, here come, or even he does. Here come a flat top, or or uh, his psychedelic songs, which don't really make any sense. So he'd either go that way, and then when he was with Yoko, and probably on drugs, he he realized there was a, a shift in him where he no longer and you'll love or hate your his solo stuff. I love it, but I get why people might not like it. He no longer believed in writing about things you don't know about. He only thought you could write about your right about life, what you know. and that's it. Yeah, because that will be the most real, and you'll yeah. feel it. And then if you listen to his solo shit, it's about love. It's it's not he's not trying to like, I don't know. It's just personal. Yeah. He just only believed in that, and, you, and that's kind of the shift. Which that is, I mean, and I and I think there's absolute truth to that. If you're yeah. gonna try to write something, if you're trying to evoke a feeling about something that you don't know, then he's gonna yeah. believe it. I think he was Why trying to do that for a while, and he's like, these are these are fake songs. Yeah. To me. That, and I think that's the whole when we read reviews about him shitting on stuff, it's because he he has that way of looking like this isn't me. He yeah. knows who he is. Yeah. He, you might like the song, and he's like, that's fine, but that's not, I know me, that's not me. Sure, yeah, and, and, and I, I would definitely attribute that. Yeah. That it's literally that. It was like, oh, no, I could have done, I could have done that better. Yeah, I, I was hiding. I was, yeah. I was, look this way, or, or I don't want to tell you how I really feel. Yeah, any, and most artists, and it's, it's a definitely a, a repeating uh, point of view with artists, is like, I didn't, till you find your voice, that's when you become your artist. The way you were meant to be. Yeah. The time you're trying to uh, 
impersonate someone essentially um, whether you're a comic or a musician or just straight up artist you know you're influenced by you know Monet or whatever it is until you find okay this is what I'm trying to make my personal I'm George put my stamp on the world yeah well you're kind of a fraud until you do that and, and if you put yourself out there you're very vulnerable because it's you because it's you and if it gets rejected that means you feel people are rejecting you 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 not not but if you go oh but I wrote a song that's kind of about cars it's tongue it's, it's, tongue it's a fun song yeah. guys and it's like then you're yeah it's a defense I, I totally then understand. you're then you're kind of devoid of the whole of criticism yeah but when you put something out there that this is me, I'm doing this, then then it's more it's, because it's your baby. Then then you say, yeah, it's an attack on you and your babies. Yeah, you know? I'm totally understandable. And I think him and George went that way, where George put himself all on the table on the, his solo albums, uh, and Paul did. No, Paul kind of went more the esoteric. He, he did the. But more poppy thing. I mean, he definitely yeah. still. Well, now, well, he lived yeah. and kept going. Yeah. But, but during the seventies, he kind of shied away from it a little Monkberry bit. Moon, daylight. But it's a great what's song. About? Yeah. Yeah. What's that about? He's afraid. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that wrote yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's afraid. <laughs> so right. after because, like Charlie said, the med, the medley. You got you give me. No, you never give me your money. Sun King. Me, and then kind of me, Mr. Mustard, Polythene, Pam, and, and basically to the end of the album. Yeah, and sorry, just a quick thing on th- on this. The lyrics speak for themselves on on because they're clear, no bullshit, no imagery, no obscure references. Yeah. John Lennon, uh, George Harrison, um, he talked about how great it was singing that this is us showing us our vocal ability. Uh, John was so stuck in the 12 bar blues he just kind of wanted to write rock songs but you can't deny it I think this is probably possibly my favorite one on the album this is George Harrison mm-hmm. the lyrics are so simple the harmony was pretty difficult to sing we had to le- really learn it but I think that's one of those tunes that will really impress most people it's really good boom so yeah let's get into the long one this is uh, George kind of gave you the, the names of the song one, two, three, four, five six seven eight songs and then you get the little fuck up at the end nine songs and we'll get into that when we get to that should we just start it up yeah. the, the beginning of the long one mm-hmm. uh so to start that we uh start with track number nine uh, you never give me your money number nine number nine number nine I break down 
And yeah. I feel like the the beginning of the long one, the medley, it's such a nostalgic sounding section too. You know, it's very it's operatic in some points, but it's very like bittersweet. It looking back, sounds like the Beatles are done. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know what I mean? there's an ending. There's the very you know, just you never give me your money. It's a very sad minor key kind of sound, even though he picks up. So the all right, so we'll, let's just get into the song. You never give me your money. Um, it's very reminiscent uh, of Happiness Is a Warm Gun, which we didn't get into because we're going backwards. But it's Paul McCartney's Happiness Is a Warm Gun, where it's got three sections. It's got the beautiful. You never give me your money. You only give me your funny paper. Slow part, and then and then it's this. I don't know what would you call this part. Uh, nostalgic boogie woogie kind of music. It's got that running bass line, and then it's got the one, two, three, four. All good children go to heaven. Guitar solo. Um, it's a fucking great song, and the the first verse deals with kind of going back to their business issue. Uh, you never give me your money; you only give me your funny paper. Um, and and Paul McCartney was calling it funny uh, funny paper. Was I, I don't have the quote in front of, front of me, but it was more. Said so this was me directly lambasting Alan Klein, who was uh, a guy who was who, like a business uh, partner, their manager, manager. Well, wanted to be their business manager. Yeah. He didn't want it, but all the other ones for did. Abby, uh, the whole uh, Apple stuff. So this is me directly lambasting Alan Klein's attitude to us. No money, just funny paper. All promises, and it never worked out. It's basically a song about no faith in person. That found its way into the medley on Abbey Road. John saw the humor in it. Yeah, and then George Harrison jumps on funny paper. That's what we get. We get bits of paper saying how much money is earned and what this is and what that is. But we never actually get it in pounds, shilling, and pence. We've all got a big house and a car and an office, but to actually get the money we've seen, we've earned seems impossible. We just keep... Here's a million. You have a million. Look, you have a million. But how do I get it? Well, it's invested in the... You know, it's all that kind of... Well, it's complicated right now. Like, can I just get the paper? When I was younger, in my teen years, when I was, you know, experimenting, I thought funny paper was acid. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought of it as funny paper. It is kind of funny paper. Mm -hmm. You get paper that you get to put on your tongue, and Mm -hmm. it's funny. And then you're hilarious. (laughs) And And then after you have LSE in the middle of negotiations, you break down. Yeah. Everything falls apart. Out of college. Oh, no, so, so the first part, yeah. Yeah, so that that no is a break that's just a breakdown of business, but but there is something else to it. Yeah. Relationships and bigger things like that. And then yeah, we go into Boogie Woogie is the only thing I could think of. This voice that Paul puts on. Yeah. It, he puts it on every now and then, but he's very he's very regal. And now next up uh, yeah, he's an announcer. Yeah. Billy Shears from the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah, that kind of. Favorite line? Oh, that magic feeling, nowhere to go. That is, that encapsulates childhood, especially for, you know, middle class American. Maybe if you're in shitty Africa and you have a tough childhood. But even then, you st- there's the innocence of just, there's no. There's no past, there because there literally is no past, and you're not thinking about the future. And there's just 
that magic feeling of nowhere to go of just being in that moment of just existing uh and i think that's kind of what he's he's kind of that first verse is him complaining about business and then wishing he could go back to the simple times not even childhood as a little kid but just the band as the young lads that were playing in germany putting in their fucking ten thousand hours playing seven days a week for eight fucking hours a day and just loving life and drinking and fucking and pills and looking back on that what happened to it but now you know now they're in a different place a place that you could have never imagined they wanted to be big but yeah. I mean in a million years it's never gonna happen and, I mean it's just the right dudes met the right time and put their they put their 10,000 hours in they wrote I mean the best music of all time yeah. And then you got Lennon being a little funny guy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All good children go to heaven. Why not? It's it's one of those things like it's... If you originally said that, you'd be like, why would you put that there? But now that you listen to it, you're like, that's perfect. And it fades away pretty quick, but then it comes back up. Great guitar solo in it. Uh, it's got the weird chimes coming in, and it's kind of leading you... Again, this is the whole medley. So this is fading into Sun King. Uh, the bass playing is so good on this. Um, you got birds and crickets chirping. Great drumming again. Um, some of the melodies will show up again on Carry That Weight, which is about five, six songs later. So that's a reprise. So that's kind of, that's why this is the beginning. The beginning of the end. Yep. Let's go into Sun King. Song number 10. chilled out again yep. I don't know yeah Sun King came to him in a dream it's a very dreamlike song and you know if you if you think about it like his he's got come together which is that weird jimble jabble of lyrics 
and then nothing until I want you she's so heavy which is 14 words that George told you because I think that only has like 20 words in it and then this song and here comes the Sun King everybody's laughing everybody's happy that's it for the uh, English lyrics and then he, right now he goes in which is great they just go into jibble jabble this, this is Italian Spanish Latin. Latin. It doesn't really mean shit. There, I guess one of the one of the lines is something about eat your cake. Cuando para mucho mi amor cake canita, cake and eat it. But it was just, and then there's some like hidden, not or just like words that they've used when they were younger. That were just kind of funny words that were kind of phrases used in Liverpool. That's fun. Now we're in the meet Mr. Marshall. We can talk about both. These songs were recorded one take. So what you just heard was a clean transition. It's weird how he can shift from Sun King where he sounded like he was drifting off and now he just sounds bored. And just kinda this is kind of vintage Beatles. In a, but in a weird, like, drugged out way. You know, it's not like a heavy... But yeah. In the shop, she never stops. She's a go getter. Boom, 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 boom. Takes him out to look at the queen. Only place that he's ever been. Me, Mr. Mustard, was a, a story you heard about a man that would hide money up his rectum. The fuzzy bass on this is really cool. It's got some nice fuzz to it. going continue through just keep going yeah polythene pam because these are clearly these are moving in a yeah. direction towards the end uh so you got me mr muffet mustard and then you got polythene pam it just seems a little loud now uh yeah 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 lennon puts on his uh thick accent Pauline Pam, Beatles fan from 1961, uh, Pat Dawson, um, who used to just love to eat tons of polythene and was a huge fan of, of, of them, one of their uh, psychotic fans from back in the day. What's uh, I'm not even really sure. It's some kind of... Well, you can also, like, th- there's two parts of it where she said she ate polythene and then there's... You can dress up like almost like a latex kind of thing, and there was like sex. There was a poet, Royston Ellis, a, a girl, um, who said like perverted sex in a polythene bag. Yeah. And there was a story that her, John, and another guy had some kind of thing, yeah. freaky shit going on with it. Um, so he's just kind of bringing up weird little. It, this is all reminiscent. This is a medley of looking back. Yeah. Um, Cool drums on it, like. Doo, 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 doo. It's just, it's yeah. the toms again. It's Ringo's toms. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. They got great background singing, and so we're moving fast here. But Sun King and Me and Mr. Marshall were recorded together, and Paula and Pam. And what's coming next? She came in the bathroom window, back to back recordings too. Uh, quick thing on Sun King: it was a 1966 bio of French King uh, Louis the Fourteenth, so he probably got the name from that. Um, and, and it also sounds very much like a Fleetwood Mac song, Albatross. Um, 
but yeah, kind of a song, Lost in Oblivion. And then Mean Mr. Marcel and Paul Pam are more similar to me. Like, it's weird that those two aren't recorded together. Yeah, it's definitely, that's kind of why I just kind of kept yeah. going to, through Polythene Pam. And then it, it definitely goes through. Yeah. To the uh, she came in through the bathroom window, which is but here. But from Mean Mr. Mustard to Polythene Pam, it's yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a thing that. But yeah, it just. Do, 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 tribal very... tribals in the back. And and when when I was younger, Mean Mr. Mustard and Polythene Pam, they weren't really. They don't like you said. They're old school and they're just very simple and not like there's nothing out there about them. But they do kind of give a momentum. Yeah. To pick it up. Yeah, it's the it's the up. it's kind of how they did uh, not one after nine oh nine, but they did uh, dig a pony, you know, and uh, yeah. let, let it be. They have those, those little minute and a half interlude songs. Yeah, and these are all. I mean, they kind of these are all kind of interluding to the end. And and Lennon himself just said they're shit and they were nothing. They were they're, all they are is incomplete songs. Yeah, you, you know, people giving them credit for this like genius idea, but we're gonna do that because that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was to lift out of Sun King. I was like, how do we get the fuck? How do we pick yeah. this shit up from here? I mean, Throw in these two little one minute ditties yeah. and this cool little echo. The way the guitar like echoes off itself. And then you hear John Lennon go, "Look out!" And then rushes into she came into the window. My favorites. Yeah. Um, the ooing and the ahhing. Came in through the bathroom window, song number 13. Um, they had a bunch of groupies called Apple Scruffs. Um, one in particular, Diane Ashley, broke into Paul McCartney's bathroom window, literally, got a ladder, went up, broke into his house, and he got a call. He wasn't home. Um, it's so weird how innocent that is back in the day. Like, oh, Oh, you broke into my house. Oh, okay, that's cute. Nowadays, you get shot, you're done. And most likely, those people are trying to kill the Beatles as they've done already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, groups would break in all the time, and neighbors would contact him. He gets into uh, talking about police department. It's kind of weird. He says, I worked at the police department, then I got myself a steady job. I think police is a steady job. Yeah. But uh, apparently, he was in a cab in New York City. Uh, and saw like something about a police department or whatever. He, I don't know. He was on a cab ride, um, and a, the guy that was working the cab wanted to quit and get a steady job, so he got those kind of inspiration yeah. from that. So those regular are regular people. Those shit. are all yeah normal shit that's yeah. happening in, in life. Um, there was also a story from the Moody Blues t- about a groupie that would break into their window and they would have sex with them. Um, just a great song and. Um, Joe Cocker does a great rendition of it. Too. Yeah, I wish I, like if the Beatles kept going, I would have liked to just think about what kind of can't do that, George. Collaborations, can't do Cocker, uh, Clapton. It's over, George. It's over. Gone too soon. Yeah, and one of gone my just favorite. Right. Gone it's, just right. it's a minute. Yeah, exactly. One, uh, minute and fifty nine seconds. One of my like 
I, for whatever reason, one of my favorite Beatles tunes. Great melody. I will, like, if this was a two and a half, three minute song. Yeah, it, I, I love how it like stops everything it's about, and then the momentum picks back up. Great bass playing. Drums again. And now we're getting into the back nine. We're, so. This is called the long one. Those first one, and we're kind of flying through this, but those first four songs, five songs, I mean, they, they all do flow together, but these last four. These, I, at this last, I, like I said, mentioned earlier, the B side of Abbey Road, I'd put up against any music and any, you know, just as far as an album. Like, yeah. this is an album. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's quickly talk about it, and then we're actually going to just play out, mm-hmm. and then we're going to end this thing. Yeah. So, um, I, do you want to just start with like play it low, and we'll just we'll go into golden. Is it golden dirt here? Yeah. Number fourteen is golden slumbers. Um. Well, George just got a message. Embarrassing. Once there was a way to get back home. Uh, lyrics from Thomas Decker poem called "Golden Slumbers." So, lifted. Um, you know, inspired from, and kind of wanted to take. And if you read it. I think I'll find the actual words from it. Um, but he was going through his stepsister's songbook, found these lyrics, and was very inspired about it, especially if they were writing kind of nostalgic at this time. Yeah, I mean, I can't pick one part of this, but this these last two songs are really huge. For me. The, the Thomas Decker poem, Golden Slumbers Kiss Your Eyes, Smiles Awake You In Your Eyes. Sleep pretty wantons, do not cry, and I will sing a lullaby. Boom, I mean, that's pretty much word for word. And I will sing a lullaby. Rock them, rock them lullaby. Care is heavy, therefore sleep you. You are care, and care you must keep you. Sleep pretty wantons, do not cry, and I will sing a lullaby. Rock them, rock them lullaby. And once there was a way to get back home. But no, it's that acceptance of no longer. And think about it, dude. He's only 26, 27. 27. So that's right about the period where you have you go through that that weirdness. I think you'll never you never get away from it, but that's like that weird bone where you're like, oh, it's over. I'm an adult, quote whatever. And then add on that you're in the Beatles. Doesn't help. Well, it doesn't hurt. But all right, we're going to carry that weight. You got all them singing together. You even have Ringo in there, and it's yeah. this is. I imagine them being at like Oktoberfest with like huge beers in their hands, <laughs> arms around each other, <laughs> rocking back and forth. Yeah, and just you know, just drunken dudes singing to each other. And and I mean that that line, boys, you're gonna carry that weight a long time. And that's universal right there. And here's that motif from uh, you never give me your money, repeating itself. And again, a beautiful solo here, Harrison solo. Yeah. And then this brings back You Never Give Me Your Money melody. Um, let me just go to carry that weight for a second here. Paul McCartney. I'm generally quite a beat 
but at certain times things get me so so much that I can't get a beat anymore and this is one of those times we were taking so much acid and doing so much drugs and all this Klein shit was going on and getting crazier and crazier and crazier carry that weight a long time like forever that's what I meant well that's also the naivete of youth you know, he's 27 Everybody years old thinking, this is going to be like this forever. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, this starts fizzling out. Oh, okay. You get it on. You get it on uh, repeat. But yeah, this is a song you want to put on at like one one thirty at a bar. Time to go home. With your friends and just start singing. And it's, it's, it's a fitting way right before you go into the end of the four of them. They do this great thing. Carry that weight. It's a great thing with carry that weight. You have all four Beatles singing together. So you have the last two songs that carry that weight. You, this is the last time they're ever going to play together. You have them all singing in harmony, even though it's just them drunkenly screaming. And then we're about to go in the end where they're all going to get their turn playing their instruments. So you get the vocals together as the Beatles, all of them, not one. And then you get all of them together at the end. Like, it's, yeah. it's like they, if they didn't know it was going to end, yeah. they called it the whatever. It is. Yeah. Weird. If they didn't know, they definitely set themselves up appropriately to end it. They, they brought in a whole bunch of trumpets, as you can hear, horns. I mean, it's and it's not going out like it's going out triumphant, like yeah. battle out mm-hmm. to the march. Like good not luck, soldiers. We'll see you down, downstream. Mm-hmm. Even though it does get a little bittersweet at the end, yeah. which it should. Mm-hmm. This is uh, guys, we're talking about six years of intense relationship with four people yeah. on a level that none of us will ever understand. Yeah, I mean, uh, the legacy of the Beatles lives on forever and I think it will um, at least for a long time at least until I'm not I'm dead and I got like a long time to go at least fucking at least a long time good 20 years left <laughs> um, yeah and, and there was like a I forget if it was Paul or someone joking about they spent a shitload of money especially on the end the song the end um, they brought in a 30-piece orchestra, and it's actually at the end when the when he does the end in the end the love you take. It's a 30-piece band hired just for about 10 seconds, just to really fizzle that out, and we'll we'll get into that at, at the end here. Should we go just go, go into the end? Yeah. Um, all right. So besides uh, Paul McCartney's famous. And that's the other thing. They didn't. They didn't just end like they end with a philosophical. Even John Lennon was like, "When Paul's good, Paul's good," and yeah. he hit the perfect hit the Beatles thing to say. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, just kind of like if, if they set their like thesis on like what was the Beatles about? Yeah. You know. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Yeah. Or love you make is equal to the love you take. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, it's inverse. Yeah. Works. And yeah, they so. It goes into here, but before they say their final statement, they ask Ringo to do a drum solo. Ringo doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to do it. They make him do it. It's 13 bars. It's weird. He was excited after he listened to it. 
George and I will also play the drums with our mouths. Um, so yeah, they, they asked him to do it. George, he was a little hesitant, and then they were going to do three guitar solos, take turns, all the guys. George didn't want to do it. Surprisingly, he's the guitarist. He was a little hesitant about it. So when you hear the first guitar solo, it'll be Paul. The second will be George. And then the third will be uh, Lennon. And it fit. First guitar solo is melodic. Second one's like rockabilly. And third's dirty. And just saying love you, love you over and over again. There's Paul. There's George. And there's John. Yeah. And then back to Paul. George. That's that rockabilly. There's that dirty. One more time. And then this last Lennon one is so good. Here we go, folks. 30-piece orchestra. song her majesty it was a uh, actually a mix-up it was supposed to between me be in between mean mr mustard and polythene pam uh during the whole medley kind of breakdown um and when paul listened back to he was just like now nah, cut that out mm-hmm. i don't want that and the engineer i think it was glenn johns who's done my own jacket just yeah. a shitload but he's still yeah. around um I, it was him or one of them said, or maybe it was Jeff Emmerich said, just like our rule was even if the artist says like, cut it out, we keep it. And remember we're talking tape here. So he cut it, put it on the end of the tape, just in case as like a marker as a marker. Yeah. So if you actually, I did this on Spotify, you can like shift the songs around. It actually mean Mr. Marston does go really nice into her majesty. Mm-hmm. Like the last chord goes into it. Um, and then polythene pan, they cut out the last chord. So it sounds a little weird, but that was, that was cut out. But it's one of those weird things where it sounds perfect right at the end. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll just play it quickly, Her Majesty. Uh, what's it? Nineteen seconds. Twenty-six. Um, I love the line. I love the line. Um, something about I want to tell her I love a lot. I want to tell her I love a lot, but I got to have a belly full of wine. Yeah, it's a great line. Uh, great. This sounds like solo McCartney songs. Shortest nice Beatles song ever recorded. And of course, the the, the actually final song is the shortest song ever recorded. Yeah. Um, and that kind of started the whole. They they already had hidden tracks, but that was like the whole. Every band started doing the hidden wait, track. Wait, 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 wait a couple wait, months. Wait, yeah. Wait, 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 and it was actually huge, like in the '90s when yeah. CDs came out. It's huge. Every album did it. And that's gone too. That's kind of sad. That it doesn't matter anymore. It's no. Kind of nice little surprise. Yeah. And that. Thus ends. The, eleventh studio record, from. The, Fab Four. Yeah. The Liverpool lads. 
and just an amazing accomplishment. Again, they uh, they did it twelve times, but yeah. Um, this you know, we've already told you the story, but this one this is the the final recording, um, and then they would break up and. Six months later, three of them, would, all of them, would have solo albums. So three think, of them would have it in 1970. Yeah, so think of that. Yeah, that's good times. Uh, so they had all this material; they just couldn't do it together anymore. And it, I get it, you know. It was just it was time for them to to go their ways, and maybe they would have got together in the 80s, and maybe it would have been terrible. Yeah, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, again, Abbey Road. It's I mean, only so much can be said about it. Yeah, everything can be said about it. Yeah, we're we're only the um, millionth persons dis- dissected this album, yeah. mm-hmm. so we're not we're not getting to the. We just uh, it's nice being able to do it like this and uh, hear it like this, and we've been trying to do this goddamn podcast for months now. Yeah, uh, and just finally get it done. Uh, we did about a three an hour podcast on it. Not bad. I could talk for another three hours about the Beatles. Uh, yeah, we kind of rushed, and we and, and we, we rushed. Weren't, we weren't trying to get out of here, but we did rush through that final uh, medley here. But it really is only one. You gotta let songs. it go. You kind of gotta let it do yeah. the way it's the way it goes. They're not full songs. They're no. not fully structured out. So yeah. It's not like you gotta look at them as more of like two songs. Yeah. Um. So we're just gonna play the medley. Um, that will be our final outro, and um, we'll be back. Well, you know, we're gonna try to get this thing revved up a little more. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll be back, and we're, we're, we'll get back on track with the podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out the podcast website uh, yet again. If you like us, if you want us to, if you feel like you want to hear us talk about a record, and it, maybe we can push things up on our yeah. list. We What's have your a long favorite? list. Yeah. What do you guys want to hear? Um, chances are we like it too. If you listen to this podcast, we probably have the same taste in music, and we're gonna get to something. The next ones we're gonna do are probably uh, harder rock ones. Yeah, going a little um, darker. Going a little darker, and uh, and then, but after that, I don't think we have anything planned. Yeah, you. you well, I, I have a whole list, but yeah. nothing set in stone yeah, at all. Nothing set in stone. Um, we still have a makeup one that we've lost. One one got lost out to the, the ether. The vo- yeah, it's probably floating out there with across the universe. Yeah. Um, but we need to record an, a, another old one. Um, but yeah, if anyone actually wants to hear one and and we're down with it, we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, if you pick a shitty album, we're not gonna do it. And obviously our choice of shitty is correct mm-hmm. uh, but yeah and, and hopefully this makes those two guys that actually did comment on our uh, iTunes yeah, that they, they wanted to hear the uh, the Episode Beatles 20. so we Here gave we it to you that was for you <laughs> before we do everything for our fans for so me. you wanted to go out with the medley right then you want to just play it up I, I, I meant when we, when we go out it's fine we can do that I was thinking if we do something the anthology 3 version but we can we can easily go out with the medley that's fine too uh, uh, yeah, I, I, that's why I thought we were rushing through it just so we could play it. It's whatever, yeah. whatever you want to do. Well, we can play that and then we can play something, dude. We can do whatever the fuck we, we want. All right, where do you want to start the medley? Oh no, just the short medley, just the one that you were talking about. Um, Gold slumbers. Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, long live the Beatles. Listen to the Beatles. That's one of my advices. I think if you listen to them. Then you can, if you like kind of everything they do, I think it spreads out. They're like a, a germ that you can go in every direction of other music. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, be good to each other. Give your mom a kiss. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on episode 21. Love you.
Tracks me like 